0: Good evening, wrestling fans, and welcome to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. For the next two hours, we will bring you the latest pro wrestling news, in-depth analysis of all your favorite promotions from across the globe, and much, much more. We will also bring you exclusive interviews, with the greatest professional wrestling personalities on the local, national, and international levels. If you want to follow the Wrestle Talk Podcast, check us out online at www.wrestletalkpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And now, it's time for the reigning, defending, Undisputed leader in pro wrestling podcasts, the Wrestle Talk Podcast.
1: Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to this week's episode of the Russell Talk podcast. I am Luke Roberts and tonight we're going to have a great program here on the Russell Talk podcast. At 7:30 we're going to be joined by Stuart Kemp, longtime professional wrestler and personality in the Pacific Northwest. We're also going to be having the FWWC segment tonight, Snippets of Truth with Big Daddy P and of course our second interview with referee HD Daniels is going to be taking place here at about 8:15. If you're enjoying tonight's show, make it a point to uh, send us messages here. We will try to post them as we get them here. Uh, We also have, ladies and gentlemen, once again, as a reminder, as we were on the show last week, we got Susie Haas here. And again, joining us from the wonderful, beautiful Snow capped Mountains of Topeka, Kansas, we have our guest from last week, Drew Chandler on the program, uh, tuning in here tonight. Again, if you enjoyed tonight's program, make it a point to uh, send our um, program out to all your friends. Make sure to share us on all forms of social media. Also, hashtag Let's Talk Wrestling right here on the program. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know last week we had a lot of things going on here. We had a lot of surprises, but I got to tell you right now, tonight's first surprise, and hopefully there's not going to be as many as last week, but I'm going to tell you right now, for weeks now, we have been waiting with eager anticipation the return of the man who knows exactly what it takes to make the Wrestle Talk podcast run like a fine precision watch. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight, he is back here on the program. Before we get any introductions, before we get to any sponsors, before we get to the national anthem or high spots or anything else related, I would be remiss. If I didn't welcome back to the program, the one and only Hardcore Hoss, Hardcore Hoss how are you doing, my friend? It has been a long, long time. I am so glad to be back. Boy,
2: I, I tell you, it's been a while since I've been here. It, that We've been moving and stuff and uh finally got set up and ready to go and just happy to be back here on the program. Just so excited to be here.
1: Well, you know something right now, Haas? I got to tell you something. I'm noticing in your background. And again, you've made a few additions since the last time we saw you. I noticed that NWO lunchbox. Yeah. And you know something I gotta tell you, and I'm gonna roll over here for just a minute. I don't think I've shared this with anybody, but I have right here, I am also a lunchbox guy, and I have my own mankind lunchbox right here. So you're not alone when it comes to lunchboxes about professional wrestling. You and I are on the same page. So, pause, I gotta ask you, how are you doing tonight? I mean, again, it's been a while since you've been on the program. But tonight oh, yeah. I think we're going to have a great show.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I have been watching though, even though I haven't been at the boards. You know, it, it took a while to get everything set up and hooked up and ready to go. But uh, I'm finally back and back behind the boards here. Chris Rodell did one heck of a job and, you know, he, he got a real crash course, you know, thrown <laughs> in the fire. And he did a heck of a job though. And, you know, kudos to Chris and thank you to him for filling in for the whole time that I was gone. I know he's been here weeks on end and uh, really deserves a night off. So thank you to him and just happy to be back here with the uh, Talk family.
1: And again, Haas, we can't, we couldn't agree with you more. It's great to have you back here. I know you're going to be talking FWWC later tonight. And, of course, Drew Chandler would be remiss if we don't talk about Richard Douglas. But we're not going to talk about Richard Douglas right now. We can talk about the Lumberjacks who are tuning in here tonight. We got Luke Justice that's here. And I'm going to tell you right now, remember, if you want your message, if you want to have your information, so to speak, if you want to be acknowledged for what you're doing and being a part of this Talk Podcast episode, you gotta make it a point to actually identify yourself. Otherwise, it's just gonna pop you up as Facebook user. And we wanna make sure we give all of our great viewers of the Russell Talk Podcast the opportunity to be recognized for their great comments and their great commentary. I mean, we've had a lot of great uh over the last couple of weeks, Hoss, I think you would agree with me in the idea that a lot of the high spots topics have generated a lot of discussion here on the Russell Talk podcast.
2: Oh, yes, definitely. You know, I, like I say, I have been watching while I was gone. You guys have had a lot of great conversation. A lot of great topics have been discussed and, you know, just looking forward to, uh, to the discussions tonight.
1: Well, right now and again, I thank you for bringing up that message here. And again, make it a point to share all your information with your friends and things of the sort. Uh, make it a point to share us out on social media. Go ahead and bring up that last message again, Hardcore Haas. Uh, we do want to give a shout out to our our compatriot, the Night Owl. I know he's taking care of some family issues over the course of the past few days, and like I said, it's, it's, I believe his goal is he's going to be back here on next week's program, right here on the Wrestle Talk Podcast. I know that a lot of the uh, viewers have been sending their their well wishes uh, in relationship to all the things going on with the death in his family, uh, his grandmother recently passing away, and uh, things going on. Again, we want to uh, give a shout out to the night owl and I said hopefully he plans to be back here next week. And finally Luke Justice has his icon up here on the screen and he has to make sure to reference DB in the longest reigning FWWC World Champ in history. That's great and well and good. We're going to talk a little more about that during the FWWC tonight. Not that's sure all right, if we still argue. nobody
2: knows who he is.
1: Eh, well, that's that's, <laughs> that's individual opinions here. So you know something before we get too much farther along, I actually for once on the Wrestle Top podcast and I know Hardcore Hoss, you haven't had an opportunity to meet this gentleman, but one of the things we strive at the Russell Talk Podcast is trying to make the Russell Talk Podcast known across the country. And tonight, we can proudly say that the Russell Talk Podcast is being heard not only on the internet, but it's being heard from coast to coast. We've got Hardcore Hoss in the beautiful East Coast, and joining us, making a formal introduction now, because like I said, I don't think you two have formally been introduced. Ladies and gentlemen, Hardcore Haas is going to be introduced to my broadcast colleague this evening, the one and only Justin Wade. Justin, how are you doing out on the West Coast this evening? I know you're representing your uh, Seattle Seahawks. How are things going out on the West Coast? West Coast is going great
3: Uh, right now. uh, Just uh, the temperature's dropping a little bit. Uh, I've seen the Midwest. You guys got some freeze advisories going on. Uh, got to watch out for the folks out there. So I gave them a call, and they're like, "Well, we got all the uh, the, the the vegetables covered for the year." Uh, but then I heard it's supposed to get in the 80s soon, uh, back again uh, in a couple of days. So I don't know what the hell's going on with your guys' weather out there. Uh, right now, we still got smoke advisories from fires uh, east of us, near uh, a little closer to uh, Spokane, and we're getting the uh, smoke here in uh, Seattle from it. Um, I saw a. Uh, just to let you guys know, um, you know, I'm trying to represent the, uh, the, the show out here in the Pacific Northwest. I saw myself a Lucha show Friday night. Uh, company's called uh, Lucha Volcanica, uh, by, run by a, a veteran promoter. His name is uh, uh, Jose Gomez. And he's been running since he—he's in his 40s now. And he's been—he's been working and running shows since he was in his uh, middle teens. It's a fantastic show. They had about five matches, but the weird thing was, it was—it was, a, it was uh, 10 minute to 15 minute intermissions between each match. So, uh, but a good show. It made me feel like I was in the ECW arena. That's how uh, when they—they they were pushing the luchadors back in the day. So.
1: Well, I got to tell you, Justin, you had an opportunity. You sent me a few uh, few pictures and a few bits of information about the show. And I got to tell you right now, it looks like it was an awesome time. And didn't you say that the numbers on that event were extremely high for out there in the Pacific Northwest for if- a Luke
3: Libre event? It was, I believe, it was between eight fifty and a thousand. But you know, they had they had beer and uh, liquor vendors. They had food trucks on the outside, selling multi. They had multiple tables worth of merchandise. It was a
1: very fan friendly show that day. It was fun all around. Well, you know what, Justin, you talk about being fun all around tonight. It's going to be fun all around here on the Russell Talk Podcast. We got Stuart Kemp. Long-time professional wrestling personality and a man you should be able to identify with pretty well being a fellow Pacific Northwesterner is going to be joining us here in just mm-hmm. a little bit. We're also going to have HD Daniels joining us here, get an opportunity to, to see professional wrestling from some different perspectives here tonight. And speaking of which part, mm-hmm. well, it go ahead, Justin, I know you've got some, el- something else you want to add here real just quick as well. One
3: second. I came in a little late and I apologize. Uh, I had other Uh, Ventures to uh, deal with before I got here. Can you, Rob, uh, introduce me to the other? Uh, host. Oh yeah! I, I, I'm having, I'm having and, a moment.
1: Uh, I mean, it's one of those things. Hardcore Hoss, This is Justin Wade. Justin nice Wade to meet is you, Hardcore man. Hardcore He is the man behind the boards. I know you're familiar. We talked earlier about our good friend Chris Rodell. Hardcore Hoss is usually the man, as as they talk about in radio term, the man behind the ones and twos. He's the man that knows our technology like nobody's business, well, thank and you, man. Thank he's you. a very he's a very knowledgeable. Um, professional wrestling fan but he also follows a lot of promotions on the east coast uh wdwa i believe uh john uh you were you a covey uh a covey pro guy like uh our broadcast colleague nightmare jones
2: yes i, I did see covey pro uh eppw uh there's been a lot of them out this way that i i have followed in the past so
1: and like I said, as we talked about earlier on, we're taking the show national tonight here, ladies and gentlemen. You got East Coast, West Coast, you got Midwest. We got a lot of great things to talk about. But one thing we've got to do is we got to thank all of our great fans and all of our great viewers who are watching the program here tonight. And also, Hardcore you be so kind It's bring up those great sponsors who help bring forth this program each and every week right here. On all forms of social media, we're going to go ahead and bring up and acknowledge our great sponsors, Royal Mills Transportation in the Kansas City area. If you need transportation, Royal Mills Transportation is your go-to service, Rathbun engraving, home of those great Russell Talk podcast mugs, available for $20. Noblemen's Barber Lounge, Kansas City, King Cade Arcade at the Oak Park Mall. Our good friend at Interstate 70 Sports Media, Jeremy Karp's already checked in here this evening live from the gym working out. Little Popeye Designs, the ones behind those great Talk podcast tumblers, and the FWWC, the world's premier fantasy wrestling group, which you're going to be hearing from in just a little bit right here tonight on the program. Now, gentlemen, and I got to tell you this, Hoss, I, I, I don't know. Chris has really kind of taken this to the next level. But I want to see what you're going to bring to the table, because as you know, Hardcore Hoss, each and every week before we get the show started, before we get everything taken care of, to keep things official, to keep things on the level, and to show our respects to the greatest country in the world, and I'm going to double check here, hardcore hoss, are you about ready? I know you're looking for it. Please tell I, me I you was, got your American flag. Please I was tell just me. Looking for them. I'm not sure where I put them. <laughs> oh no. Well, ladies and gentlemen, even though we don't have our American flag to be able to show tonight. What we do ask is before we get tonight's show started is you please remove your caps and please, in respect to the greatest country in the world, pay homage to the greatest country with our national anthem. (laughs) Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for taking part in our National Anthem. I got to tell you, just last week you came in a little bit later. You didn't have to experience the National Anthem last oh, week. Well, I
3: experienced it. I just wanted to mention that this rendition was a very, very great moment in American history. It just, uh, you know, those lungs that uh, Roseanne Barr expelled for that night really
1: exemplified my love for America, so... Well, and right now, again, Hardcore Hoss, I got to tell you, is, do you feel like you're back on the bicycle now, now that you've got the national anthem out of the way? Oh, I always, you know.
2: I, I might be a little slow here and there tonight, you know. I still got to remember where things are, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting there.
1: Okay, well, Hoss, I got to tell you right now, Justin knows what time it is. You know what time it is. I know what time it is. We're going to actually, since you just came back to the program here tonight, we're going to go ahead and let you do something you normally don't get to do and that is we're going to let you hardcore hoss introduce tonight's high spot
4: segment
2: all right well as always you know we have some of the most uh, my mouth don't want to work now <laughs> we always have some of the best questions around and some of the most talked about things going around in professional wrestling today and there is just so much to talk about and let's just get to it. Here's our man DJ Money enter- to introduce the High Spot segment.
0: My check, my check. Yeah.
2: All right, all right. WrestleTalk Podcast. DJ Money. Yeah.
0: Welcome to the high spots where we pop news like their shots. We talk shop, coming through the screens of a laptop. And non stop like a
2: runner of sleep the blacktop. Uh, we hit hard like chest shots and backdrops. I can fly,
0: blast, but like a barely fly, not as hard. We up the scene while they stay slow. Wrestle talk podcast, now they know we just have to start the show.
1: Uh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's high spots time, and I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. I just got a message on my cell phone from the one and the only the Maestro Jeremy Carp, and he told me that he was actually has that on his uh, his playlist when he's actually working out at the gym. And again, I'm going to tell you right now, DJ Money bringing us into the high spot segment each and every Tuesday night. Also, as a reminder, too, if you get an opportunity, make it to point. Check out DJ Money. He's also getting ready to. Uh, Start getting back into the world of graphic design. It's going to be whether you need pictures, you need photos, you need album art, you name it, make it a point to check out DJ Money. If you want more information, go ahead and ask a member of the WrestleTalk Podcast staff and we'll get you hooked up with DJ Money. Now guys, I got to tell you, kind of a unique week in the world of professional wrestling. We had a lot of different things to bring up in our meeting earlier in the week. So Hardcore Host, if you'd be so kind, let's go ahead and kind of get the wheels rolling here and let's throw our first... High spots question up for the evening. Really anticipating what's here. And again, this one just being announced literally minutes ago, it was announced that Chris Jericho has signed another 3-year contract with AEW. What are your thoughts? Justin, I'm going to throw this to you. I know that you've followed Chris Jericho for a number of years and it's Oh career. yeah. What are what are your thoughts about Chris Jericho signing another 3 years with AEW?
3: Well, it excites me, you know, he's uh, you know, uh giving back to the to the business i really appreciate what he's doing uh yeah he can be outspoken at times but uh when it comes down to it he gives back he gives back uh like how the, the veterans usually do uh he believes in the company aew you know it's it's a good sign that you got john moxley to five and him for three uh you know he's gonna uh when you know tonight uh Tonight they got a show. Aren't they doing a show tonight, uh, Luke?
1: They're Actually, uh, matter of fact, while we're at it here, just to give yeah. you an idea, it's going to be a crazy night because we have NXT live on the USA yeah. Network, and we have Tuesday night Dynamite. Yeah, and, if, and he's... If we, have, if we have anything big going on, we'll try to keep you uh, updated on that yeah. right here. But go ahead, Justin. I'm going to go ahead and bring it up right here on my video feed and see if I can catch a little bit of information about AEW. Yeah. You know, maybe it's being brought up, but go ahead and please continue.
3: No, what I was saying, though, you know, tonight you got Jericho and Dalton Castle. And this is a lot of people's, you know, like uh, fantasy matchup. And they're going to tear the house down, these two. And Jericho's going to make this guy, you know, Dalton, who's well known in the ring of honor. He's bringing him to the national stage now, you know, being on uh, TBS for uh, Dynamite tonight. And uh, it's going to be a real good thing. There's going to be a lot of good matchups coming up with Jericho. You know, we already got Jericho and uh, Brian Danielson, and uh, they they always bring it. And they also had you know Moxley and Jericho. That's always going to be a a barn burner. But I think it's a very good thing uh, for the industry that Jericho signed for three more years. He's going to give back to the to the the, the company, and uh, hopefully, with him being the Ring of Honor champion, they they give it to him for a while, and he has some uh, five star matches with uh, some. Uh, New Ring of Honor guys, past Ring of Honor guys, and maybe some cross-promotion between Ring of Honor champion and in uh, AEW champion.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, Justin. I mean, I'm sitting here right now trying to get things taken care of. Right now, the Don Tony D'Angelo making his way to the ring on NXT. I got to tell you right now, the first thing I got to say, and you brought it up too, the idea of where you get to see the Ring of Jericho champion, the Ocho himself, Chris Jericho, whether you call him the Painmaker, the Champion, uh, Lionheart, whatever you call him, uh, the Wizard, whatever you call him, Chris Jericho is going to be a huge asset to AEW down the road, and I think him signing for three years is a great idea. But tonight, like you said, Justin, I'm excited. You have Chris Jericho and the Man from Planet Peacock himself, Dalton Castle. I'm gonna tell you right now, and I don't know if it's just me being a a Ring of Honor fan i'm going to predict it right now when those two men meet in the ring and upset in the eyes of many and dalton castle becomes the new ring of honor world champion i'm going to throw it to you hardcore hoss your thoughts of chris jericho signing another three-year deal with with aew you know it, it's
2: it's really not a surprise that he'd sign another three-year deal at least i didn't think so because i mean I i didn't think there was any chance of him going anywhere else. Um, if he wasn't there, he would probably retire. And I don't think he's ready to hang his boots up anytime soon. So, but yeah, I do look forward to the matchups that this really does present. Uh, signing the new contract and everything. And look forward to what he's going to have to do here in the f- coming future and everything. And, well, I can tell um... right
1: now, gentlemen, I think we're all in agreement here that Chris Jericho... The the leader of the Jericho Appreciation Society is signed another three year deal. I think it's definitely going to be a great matchup, a great fit for AEW, and a great thing. And right now, they're mentioning the matchup between interim world champion Tony Storm taking on Hikaru Shida for the interim women's world championship. A great match, Justin. I know you got more you want to add here too.
3: I I just got to add. I'm getting tired of this interim stuff. You know, um, when wrestlers have been injured and stuff in the past, or they've been suspended they have to give up the title. There's no, I hate this interim stuff. And I know it bothers, uh, Tony, uh, uh, Storm. I know, I know it's bothering her because, you know, she won the belt, uh, what, a fatal four way. Am I correct? Uh, Luke. And, uh, she proved herself against four of the top contenders and she still has to throw around that she's interim till Thunder Rosa comes back. I don't know what the situation is with Thunder, but, uh, I, you know, she'll have to, I believe she should work for it. She should have to get back into contendership and not just be able to, you know, come back, you know, in 93, you know, Michaels was stripped of the intercontinental title. You know, they had a battle 20 man battle Royal razor and Rick Martel were the final two and they made them wrestle uh, at the next Monday night raw. They didn't make him interim intercontinental champion. He was the, undisputed intercontinental champion and you know he defended it and then he defended it against Michaels at Wrestlemania 10 in a ladder match I just don't like this interim stuff
1: well Justin I gotta I gotta go with the idea though and and again this is one of those I think where you're seeing the lines blur between MMA and professional wrestling the MMA world has brought forth the idea of the interim world champion I believe boxing to a certain extent and I'm kind of in the same mind this is pro
3: wrestling it's not MMA
1: that is that is true that is true and like I said right now I mean, to be honest with you, and sitting here having that match being brought up here, uh, they brought up an interesting graphic with the Shida. 53 weeks as women's world champion in AEW. That is an outstanding feat in today's professional wrestling world. And to have someone with that kind of quality and ability taking on Tony Storm, that definitely is going to lend some credibility to Tony Storm in any shape or form when it comes down to what happens tonight as a part of Tuesday Night Dynamite. Now, gentlemen, we got a lot of a lot of movement, a little a lot of comings and goings here in the world of professional wrestling. Hardcore, Hoss, let's go ahead and throw another one up here. And I, I, I we had a couple different discussions here. Let's go ahead and see what our uh, randomizer is going to bring up here. What are your thoughts on the association of JBL and Baron Corbin? I got to tell you right now, and this is going to sound strange. I actually had an opportunity. to to have a few moments with JBL at the Cauliflower Alley Club. And I'm going to tell you right now, I watched the match last night, and and I'm a pro wrestling fan as well as a longtime in-ring competitor. Did not get behind it at all. I mean, JBL went above and beyond what needed to be done, but I'm going to tell you right now, to me, it really – It really kind of fell flat last night. Uh, Justin, I'm going to go ahead and turn things to you here on this. JBL, Baron Corbin, yes, in the middle, no. What are your thoughts?
3: No, you know, and I, I like JBL as much as everybody else. He's a modern-day Stan Hansen with a Ted DiBiase million-dollar-man twist. Um, it's nice uh, that they brought him back to television, but I believe he might outshine Baron, and I don't think it helped any uh, – it didn't help Dolph anyway, uh, any way sort of form by, you know, having him go down to the newly reinvigorated Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin, I don't believe, needs a mouthpiece. He can get – he way on his own. And, uh, I just think that, uh, uh, JBL might distract, uh, from his, uh, rise, uh, up the echelon for the, uh, for whatever title he goes for. I just, I don't think it's a good pairing, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, they're going to try it out, but I just think JBL is going to outshine Baron who doesn't, I believe Baron's a very good talker and doesn't need, uh, doesn't need a mic, mic piece. Now I'm not insulting, uh, JBL, you know, he's, he deserves, you know, to be here as much as uh, any other legend. But I just think he might outshine bear
1: Well, I didn't say right now, and we got two completely different points of view here. That's why I love the Russell Talk podcast every Tuesday night. You've got Assad who's making the comment of JBL will lead Baron Corbin to a secondary championship in the WWE. And then you have the one right before it from Luke Justice. Uh, two great comments here. I wish Baron Corbin would come back as the lone wolf. And then follows it up with, I don't like it. Corbin can stand on yeah. his own. I'm going to tell you right now, to me, Justin, you and I have been friends for a long time. And I'm going to tell you right now. Almost 20 years. I agree with you, you, but I don't agree with with Luke Justice here. To me, I think it's one of those where everybody says, oh, Baron Corbin can do this. Baron Corbin can do that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you right now, Baron Corbin has had opportunities. And to me right now, I I think the lone wolf was more letting his actions show in the ring. And I think right now, I just I just don't see Baron Corbin being able to even remotely keep up with a JBL. Now, Mark Haas, I want to throw it to you. You've seen a lot of different views here between Justin and myself, as well as the viewers of the Russell Talk Podcast. What are your thoughts about this association between JBL and Baron Corbin?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of this association between the two of them. Uh, in all honesty. I think they have, uh, for a while now, kind of had Baron Corbin in a role where, yeah, he he's looked more or less looked weak, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, you that know, he's they've kind of had a job jobbing to other people, and yeah, you know, he, he did have the run as Happy Corbin, where you know he was winning some matches here and there, but even then that. The, the gimmicks they've been given him just don't fit him very well, I don't think. And just, I, I haven't been a big fan of him. Um, so uh, I'm hoping that they use him properly, but I, I don't see a reason to bring JBL into it. Justin, go ahead. I know yeah, I, I had
3: one more. You know what? Uh, I may be wrong, and they could they could put a spin on it, like they did with Morocco and uh, Fuji back in the day. You know, uh, Corbin, I can see being a second tier uh, champion. You know, uh, I could see him being either uh, the IC or the US. Um, and they could put a spin on it, you know. Back in the day, Fuji and Morocco, they they uh they got some good heat. They also had some good parodies between the two. And you know, JBL and Corbin do have a sense of humor to them, so they could spin this and you know make some money with the uh, with the heel heat, also with the parody portion of the uh, the, the tandem.
1: Well, oh, I get you. And like I said, we're gonna go ahead and kind of wrap it up here. Luke Justice bringing up the comment. Baron puts over Matt Cap. He puts over McAfee. He, he did the whole Corbin thing and now it's time for him to shine on his own I think the only way to put this is time will tell I mean I, to me I think last night was and again we've had other comments that are brought up here and we appreciate all the comments bringing up here the poor man's Baron Corbin was perfect and funny to watch on WWE programming we get it but again it's just it, it really didn't it just kind of something wasn't right last night it's In my the first opinion, night. Yeah, it might be that, like I said, it's one of those where much like in the, in the world of, of pro football, when you get a quarterback who's brand new to the game, they've got to get a few reps in before they really kind of kind of get everything synced up. And again, that might be what it's going to be. Now, at this time, we're going to have some more high spots questions here in, in, in just a little bit. But Justin, I want to go ahead and take a minute here and get ready to introduce our fans of the Russell Talk podcast to our first guest this evening. Here's a gentleman that I had the opportunity to actually sit down and meet in person for the first time at the Cauliflower Alley Club just a couple of weeks ago. And having the opportunity to sit down in a variety of different places, whether it was the banquet, playing cribbage, walking out on Fremont Street, and enjoying the socialization, this man has spent pretty close to the same amount of time as I have inside the squared circle. He knows a ton about professional wrestling, past, present, and future. And I got to tell you, it is my honor and privilege to have this man join us this evening on the Wrestle Talk podcast. Let's go ahead and hit the introduction music for our first guest tonight here. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast, Stuart Kemp. Let's go ahead and hit that. <laughs> Stuart, I got to say, uh, on behalf of Justin and myself, I want to welcome you here tonight to the Wrestle Talk podcast.
4: I'm glad to be here. I'll tell you right now, Dave, that almost gave me a heart attack during that music. <laughs> yeah,
3: it was a little loud on
4: my end, too. It's all right, though. No, I appreciate it. No, I, uh, I had such a great time. I just am uh, sitting in my car right now. I uh, just was visiting my wife, uh, who's in the hospital right now, dealing with uh, non small cell uh, lung cancer. Um, so, and she's going to be in for treatments starting, uh, later this week. So, uh, you know, there's that, uh, and of course, you know, I'm not as, as, as able as I'd like to be just because, you know, I've had to deal with the strokes series myself. So it's been, it's been fun.
1: Well, well, Stuart, I got to tell you first thing on, again, having the opportunity to talk with you again this past week, I mean, here, uh, here at the Russell Talk podcast, I want to wish continued, uh, continued success regarding your, your rehabilitation and also, uh, keeping things in your in your wife and our thoughts as we go through things here. Uh again, knowing knowing lung cancer as well as I did. My father, and Justin's known my father for many years as well. He had a uh, a uh, almost half a lobe removed uh many years ago before he passed away. And again, lung cancer is not something to uh, to to wait around on. Now the first thing I want to throw out here to you is this. And and again, you and I, I I, I gotta ask you. You um, have been known as Stuart Kemp, but you also got known by the name of Bulldog Bob Brown Jr. Yes. Now, A lot of the viewers of the Talk podcast may not be familiar. For those of us that are familiar, I, I know you in the Pacific Northwest in Canada have had an opportunity. He did spend a good amount of time here. I believe it was in the Kansas City and the Central States territory, made many trips here to St. Louis. I got to ask you, what motivated you, to to take the moniker of bulldog bob brown junior
4: well it's a funny thing it it all started because uh, of, of another wrestler who's unfortunately passed as well uh todd olson aka ollie olson uh had wrestled with bob many a time in, in the maritimes <clears throat> and um thought that my mannerisms were very similar to that of of, of bob uh, i've I I had, uh, known bob for many years uh, when he was wrestling uh, for Stampede Wrestling and booking for them as well, um, and then a little bit through Vancouver office, but not not as much. But it was uh, it was there that they uh, uh, that the sort of lineage sort of came to be, and uh, um, you know I I ran with it a little bit. I, I you know I didn't try to be you know Bob Brown. I mean, there's nobody that could be Bob Brown. I mean, there's just simply no way. Um, but I tried very hard to uh, played tribute to what he, what he had accomplished. Um, and, and so I, I, I'm very thankful for that opportunity.
1: Well, well, Stuart, I got to tell you right now, gets you know, a name, when I had an opportunity, uh, my brother spent many years in the wrestling industry as well. And, and the idea of having someone who can make the connection and having the mannerisms and the style that you did inside the squared circle, I mean, that'll not only gives you, as you said, gives you the opportunity to have a, a great deal of respect from the wrestling community, but also to be likened to someone in the lines of Bulldog Bob Brown. Now I got to ask you, and, and this is going to sound kind of strange because I feel very fortunate in the fact that many years ago, Justin had the opportunity to train under myself in the, into the world of professional wrestling. I got to ask you being from the Pacific Northwest, having made many journeys into Canada what was it like for you breaking into the world of professional wrestling? I mean, I know in the St. Louis area, back in the day, it was a very selective business to get into. What was it like when you talk about like uh, like the Don Owens, you talk about the promotions like the Stampede Wrestling, among others. What was it like for you to get into the world of professional wrestling in your part of the country?
4: It's, it's a very unusual thing. I, I got started in a very unusual way of, of getting involved. Um I uh, had been uh, a fan for many years going to shows and so on and so forth. I went to a Stampede Wrestling show in Vancouver, British Columbia. And um, there was a, a guy named Terry Fetter, who was the um, the sort of liaison guy for, for Stampede Wrestling there. And um, he was talking to me a little bit about, about times. I said, well, if you ever need somebody to help you on the shows, just let me know. And as it turns out, one of the times we were in Vancouver and... Uh, he came up to me and said, we don't have our announcer coming into Mission, uh, which is about 45 minutes east of Vancouver tomorrow. Uh, would you like to do it? And of course, you know, I was thrilled. And so um, I made my debut April 30th, 86 in, uh, in Mission, British Columbia, as the announcer for Stampede Wrestling. And um, But before that, I had an opportunity to um, do some radio stuff. I was trying to... Uh, get the boys uh booked on on radio stuff and and so on in the northwest and um we had a lot of struggles with them it's just um the radio business was very very tough it was um you know football and, and uh and basketball and that sort of thing and um and this one guy had come in to talk about wrestling one time and was was touting that he was going to bring all these guys who Stampy wrestling in there and so on and so forth and never did and so of course you know that that got the host really upset about everything and and so they um they didn't uh, say very nice things about, about wrestling at all, and I came back to the guy and said, "I don't know who this guy is. I said, "I would love to have the opportunity to bring you some guys in. You know here's some numbers, here's some names and so on. and um, the uh, the guy that was running the show um, contacted me a little bit later and said, "You know, all these numbers that you gave me pan out. Uh, um, you know we're gonna're we're, we're gonna take it again, and uh, would you like to be on the show?" And so that was really my introduction to wrestling, which was uh, uh, October 9th, 1985, um, where I had an opportunity to speak with both uh, Bruce Hart and Tom McGee. Yes, it's a a strange name you remember. Uh, It was supposed to be the Hockey Talk Man, but he couldn't make it, so they ended up having Tom McGee there. had an illustrious career in WWE, didn't he? Um, Anyway, uh, so at that point, they were, you know, that's when I talked to Bruce and and first of the thing well what do you what do you envision in becoming this business and that's when uh I told him I'd like to be the announcer and uh and it just so happened that I had this show opportunity back in uh six months later to do it and um it was it was through that that i I became sort of um really kind of knowledgeable about about the wrestling business in the northwest and got into the magazine business um it was all about the uh, injury that happened to nine my kid uh in Hamilton, ontario in eighty six um, and, uh, it happened that I'd be, I would in Calgary that time when they were, uh, talking about this particular situation and Dynamite anyway, was convalescing at one of the wrestlers' homes. And so we were able to, um, I was able to talk to this guy and, and get some information. And of course, you know, being the fan, I was at that time, um, I called the WWF offices. I figured, Hey, you know, I'll find out more about this. Well, of course it hadn't been on TV. It doesn't exist. Right. So, you know, undeterred. I contacted uh, Bill After at uh, at BWI, and and uh, believe it or not, that's uh, that's how we got started on the on their shows. It was um, it was very amazing to uh, to do that. I'm gonna have to move the car a little bit because I was trying to back out of the driveway here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty amazing just to uh, have that opportunity to um, to be able to write for uh, a few publications, and and so I did that. Uh, Wrestling World, I did that for seven and a half years. Wrestling the main event, I did for uh, three or four issues. Uh, Goldbet Wrestling, I did a couple of issues, and uh, and uh, BWI, and that's sort of thing. I sent them a lot of the the uh, information that they needed to know about the uh, the shows, and I did that for probably about six or eight months or so in '86.
1: Well, well, Stewart, I mean, again, right then and there, I mean, just talking about how you got into a lot of people say, "Hey, I got into the professional wrestling industry." by training with so-and-so, or I, I talked with so-and-so about being a referee, and yeah. it kind of morphs into things. That is a story, I mean, in itself there. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. When Justin and I had our pre-show meeting, Justin has kind of been able to kind of see the best of both worlds in the world yeah. of professional wrestling. He got a, a very a very good introduction into the world of professional wrestling here in the St. Louis area, but now he's kind of transplanted into the Pacific Northwest, and I can yeah. see the wheels turning a little bit when you talk about some of these different territories and things along the line, Justin, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to you. I know you've got a couple of questions that you'd like to ask Stuart here tonight as a part of the Russell top podcast.
3: Yeah. So, sir, what was your, uh, your first time uh, as a fan that you knew you wanted to be in the business?
4: Oh boy. I'll tell you, you know, um, at home, you know, we had our opportunities to watch um, all-star wrestling out of Vancouver. It was still being run at that time by Sandra Kovacs and, uh, and uh, Gene Kaniski. They were just getting ready to sell it to Al Tonko. So I had had the opportunity right at the very end to see uh, guys like Igor um, Volkov and Eric Froelich that were, that were wrestling there. Uh, and then when Tonko took over the shows, um, they sort of uh, dissipated a lot of the Portland guys that used to be up there a lot. Um, and so um, it was. It was just a fluke that I happened to flip on TV one time and and saw Stampede Wrestling, and that that was really what hooked me. It was you know probably about uh, late '82, early '83. Um, I really became knowledgeable about that that show a lot more, just because it was coming to you from a, an arena um, that the crowd was hot. Um, it wasn't like studio wrestling. I like studio wrestling fine, but uh, but there was just something about the arena shows that just just took my my mind just exploded it
3: and with you being a uh, old school stampede fan what was your uh, who was your inspiration back then?
4: well you know there's a lot of lot of the guys that um that I watched guys like Robbie Stewart was it was a phenomenal talent um just uh, he wasn't a big guy but boy boy could he ever move obviously you know we got to see the beginnings of dynamite kid because that's when uh, Bruce Hart brought him over um you know probably be about 78 or so just a little bit before when I started watching um but Bruce actually was really instrumental in bringing a lot of those English uh, guys over guys like Stewart um dynamite kid David Boy Smith um you know was a little bit involved with John Foley. um, And of course, you know, there were some others that that they had from time to time uh, that had come in there as well and and made a a real impression, you know, on, on their, uh, their roster. Uh, you know, they were smaller guys. They weren't the big guys that you'd seen Stampede Wrestling noted for. Archie Gouldie and and uh, Bad News Allen were a couple that come to mind. Um, you know, two sixty, two eighty pounders. Uh, you know, the guys like Robbie Stewart, Dynamite, and so on and so forth were maybe two hundred and ten or less. And so, um, they weren't really big, big you know favorites of Stu's. But um, Bruce sort of turned them over onto onto them because it was just uh just phenomenal stuff that he got to see.
3: Okay, and uh, with your uh, intro to uh, wrestling, how was your uh, your uh, upcomings in uh, training? What was your uh, you know training like? Was it was it with uh, the Hart done uh, the, the Stampede promotion?
4: I, I had learned a little bit of the uh, inside workings when I was working with Smith Hart uh, at, uh, at 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 Stu's house. Um, Stu sort of gave me a little bit of inside knowledge on on his stuff. Um, Fortunately I didn't go into the dungeon until until much later. Um and it then and then I wasn't being stretched, thank God. Um but I worked a lot with Michelle Starr in, in terms of, uh, uh some of the inner workings of the, of the, um, in ring material. But I'd also had a background in, in watching a lot of stuff and, and, and sort of picking up a lot of things that I needed to do. And, and, um, they were, they were needing a guy that could basically be the enhancement talent. And so that's pretty much what I could do for them. And, um, and so I, I sort of flourished from there.
3: Okay. And um, one of my final questions, Luke, for, uh, for the moment, uh, for, you know, I, I like to, you know, we like to promote other promotions, you know, uh, throughout the United States and we like to promote uh, information for new guys that are coming up. But uh, for, do you have any, uh, you know, bits of information, any, uh, um, oh God, I'm losing my mind here. Any yeah. advice for up and comers that are uh, watching this show that uh, want to get into the business?
4: Well, I'll tell you what you need the biggest thing for a lot of these guys is don't rush it. You know, you've got time, you know, people seem to think that um, I need to get all my stuff in, you know, right then and there, Um, you know, relax, you know, be understanding that uh, you don't have to have the 15 minute arm bar or whatever else, but you do need to make it a contest. Um, You know, if you're going to have a match with somebody, like I was at a, a training center one time, I saw a couple of guys and they were they were giving me a, a little bit of uh, showing what they could do kind of thing. And I saw them with their heads down as they were trying to lock up. I said, that's not what you do. You know, you look at each other. Um, things like that, you know, just um, I think the biggest thing for a lot of these guys is that they want to do everything right then and there. And that's one thing that they need to remember is they don't need to do everything right then and there. People are going to come back. If they're impressed with what you've got to, to give them, they're going to come back. Um, and uh, you don't need to rush everything, you know. You, you don't need to have, um, you know, quickly run into this move and then into this move and then do this move and then do this move. It just... What happens then is that people can't register with what you're offering them. You know, um, the best way to describe it is, is, you know, what you're selling them. If you're, if you're going to sell them an experience, you've got to sell them an experience. You've got to give them the whole enchilada, you know, in, in terms of food. Um, you know, you got to give them the bits and pieces. You can't just, just say, oh, well, I'm going to give them everything right then and there. You need to be able to get bits and pieces. And a lot of these guys want to try and rush everything. And, you know, I see these guys right now. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a fan. I loved it. Um, ECW was a, great, was a great promotion. But what I really hated was that a guy would be doing 16 million moves on a guy which would literally kill somebody else. And then inside cradle to finish the move, you know, to match off. That to me is, is irresponsible. You know, when these guys need to learn about training and the proper techniques and that sort of thing, they need to relax, you know, they need to be able to get those moves in so that people can respond to them, register them, understand that they're, that they're important moves. Um, You know, and, and to me, one of the biggest things are, you know, in conclusion would be the finish. A finish is a finish period. That means if you're using a figure four leg lock, that's when it ends. You know, if you're using a sleeper hold, that's when it ends. I don't need to see 6 million breakouts of that that move. It just just waters it down, makes it meaningless and worthless. And then then what do you do from there?
1: And I got to tell you right now, Stuart, you and myself and Justin, I think at some point the three of us have had some kind of a conversation about the world of professional wrestling (laughs) because we all three think the same way. I think back to a time, back and again, I'm not not a spring chicken, but it's I still a- remember the time.
4: No, no, we're all spring chickens.
1: But the idea of seeing wrestlers like in the Kansas City Territory and wrestling at the Checker Dome and at the arena and things along the line, when you would see wrestlers going in there, wrestlers like your Briscoes, your Funks, your, your Races, your Flares, who would go out there and would be able for for two to three, four minutes, and they could be focusing on a body part. They could be focusing on an arm or focusing on a leg. And you understood what was going on in the world of professional wrestling. It was one of those where, I mean, one of the things I always stressed when I was actively in the ring was the phrase, less is more. Yes. You don't have to go out every single match and do 9,000 moves. You have to... It's kind of like having a good meal. You have to, after a while, you got to let some of it digest before you can go to the next course. And that's one of those things that it is very refreshing to hear people. And that's one of the things that's great about the Talk podcast. The opportunity to talk about, you get wrestlers who've come on the program, who wrestle a contemporary wrestling style. And then you have wrestlers like yourself and myself and several others who have been a part. Of the I, I
4: don't want to say the old school because that's, <laughs> it's overused nowadays. Yeah, I think so. Old school is, is overused. But I'll tell you a great match to watch. If if you're a new guy ever coming into this business, um, you know, a good match to watch, and remember now there is no audience in there at all, is watching the empty arena match with Jerry Lawler and and Terry uh, Funk. A match that was done in nineteen eighty one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what what did they do? They they didn't do anything crazy. They didn't do anything insane, but each of the moves that they did meant something so that when you got to the important critical part, it meant something at the very end. Um, And there was no audience. There was no reaction. There was no crowd reaction, nothing. You know, you just have Lance Russell doing commentary and that's it. Right. Um, But he's selling it as the narrator to be able to give you what's going on in the story. But the thing is, is that if you're a fan watching it at home, you get to see these two behemoths putting on a, a clinic, you know, of what wrestling is supposed to be. You have good versus evil. You have, you know, this and that, but you have nothing that's insane and nothing taking, you know, um, you know, rush, 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 and everything like that. You, you've got time to understand the, the way the direction is going. And so, when those people watch those kinds of matches, you know, and I, I use that one as an example, uh, just because there isn't any crowd reaction here. Um, you know, if you want to get more hardcore then you can watch the boiler room match with Undertaker and Mick Foley. Same same kind of thing. No crowd in there. It's just two guys that are just basically or or the um um I think what is it now, uh, the uh one with uh what was it uh Piper and, uh, and 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 Dustin that did that that match in the back of the the hay truck or something like that. You know, um, yeah, it was um. It was uh,
3: Dustin Rhodes and the Blacktop Bully.
4: Blacktop, but yeah, but it's the same kind of ideas that that there's no crowd there. They just have to work on on their motives to be able to get those people to react at home, and they're hoping that what they do is reactionary by people, and so when they see that, that's exactly what what happens. You see that um and i think a lot of that is missed you know for a lot of these guys they, they try too hard to do all these things oh i saw this in a video game or i saw this on a wrestling show or i saw this on on whatever it's like guys relax just take a look at what made it successful you know you don't need to reinvent the wheel the wheel's already been invented you just need to make a couple spokes in there that are your own that's it nothing more
1: And, and Stuart, I want to go ahead and bring up two messages here. One was just brought up, and Hardcore Host, you could bring that back up here for just a moment. I wanted to make sure that Stuart got to see it. Uh, Thank you. I've been training for just under two months. I'm definitely going to check that match out. Uh, Again, that's one of the things that we were mentioning here earlier on, bringing advice to the next generation of professional wrestling. And, of course, I would be remiss, even though he's not here tonight, he's taking care of family issues. But I wanted to share a message here. From our our, our colleague, Renee the Night Martinez, a man that you got to meet personally at the CAC reunion just a couple weeks ago. It was a pleasure to meet you at the CAC. And and like I said, I want to make sure that he uh, got his shout out to you tonight, this evening as well. Uh, Now, I want to change gears here a minute. You you Sure. Uh
3: Uh-oh.
1: I'm in the ring, both as a referee and behind a microphone. I've got to ask you, and I know a lot of people are going to say, Oh, well, being in front of the crowd and being a, ref- a wrestler is the biggest rush. Would you say that being a commentator was the most important or being a referee or being the competitor? What do you think was the most important?
4: I think whichever you can, you could narrate the best story out, you know, um, referee, you know, it depends. It's a big, big problem with them because a lot of them want to be the star of the event and they don't need to be there they're supposed to be in the background uh there are certain guys that um you expect them to be out there but take a look at a guy like james beard for example doesn't um isn't flashy um but you know that he means business when he steps in that ring and so those people understand that doesn't need to do anything crazy steps behind a lot of times in the background to be able to see what's going on as a commentator, your job is there to promote the wrestling is to there to promote the stars, make them stars, make them larger than life, create the, the, uh, the ambiance that's there so that everybody goes and reacts to what it is that's happening. As a wrestler, you need to be able to, dictate whether it's the front row or the back row you need to be able to have that same kind of reaction from both sides of the audience um you know i know that i've I've had an opportunity to work a couple of shows that uh you know one guy was you know we were both heels pretty much at the show and i said let me go out first i said i will make you the face and you know I, i did just that you know and it's it's that kind of reaction that you can get when we get to the back he's like what did we just do i said well we just what we did was wrestling is what we did, you know, we, we explained it, we didn't do very much, we just, you know, he came out with the frog splash at the end, finished one, two, three, there it is, da-da-da, we're done, you know, and and the reaction for the crowd was such that he got the pop when he was was leaving, and, you know, people want to throw cups at me when I'm leaving, well, that's fine, you know, it's, whatever they do, you know, it's, but the thing is, is that in that vein, those those are the critical parts, whether you're the announcer, you know, as the announcer, you want their to be there to make the stars. Those guys are in the ring. They're on a stage. They're on a ring in a stage, right? It's it's you know, up, up in the air. There's a reason for that. You want to look up to those wrestlers. So you want to have the announcer announce these guys as if they are a reason to be there. You know, I don't care if you're the opening match or the, the last match. It doesn't matter. You are important. You've made it to this level. You can be important on that show, whatever it happens to be. And the announcer needs to create that ambiance for you a commentator needs to be able to commentate in such a way that he knows the kinds of moves is asking the questions beforehand to find out what it is that you do, who you are, proper phonetic spelling, whatever else it is. So that way there's no confusion. Um, You know, all of a sudden it's like, well, what a maneuver by the announcer or the commentator is not a, a good thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, you've got to, you've got to be able to say what it is, you know, it's just, well, what a maneuver. Well, you know, you could say that 6,000 times. It doesn't mean anything you know you need to be able to say hey that that right there was a jaw jacker. that right there was a, uh, a you know sidewalk slam right there was a super kick and you know blah blah blah. just you know things like that these people just don't want to do that you know they want to take the due diligence to 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 uh know that and that's that's a bit of a problem
1: well well stewart i want to go ahead and change gears yet again i mean you've been around all around the world of professional wrestling i would be remiss if i didn't take some time and i do want to ask you a couple questions about the cauliflower alley club now the first one I want to ask you, how long have you been affiliated with the Cauliflower Alley Club? And while you're answering that question, I've got a little bit, It's a little bit of show and tell here. I know yeah. I have got it here in my office, but I want to go ahead for just a minute here. And I want to go ahead and kind of, for those, I mean, we've had Herb Simmons, we've had uh, Brian Blair, we've had Dance Nevada, we've had Tom Simon. We've had a ton of different representatives from the CAC on the program. Can you give us a little bit about your experiences with the Cauliflower Alley Club?
4: Well, you know, for the longest time I've been told for many years, you've gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. I never did. And and you know, uh this year really was you know, you've seen a variety of different podcasts from uh guys talking like Jeff Jarrett and, and Conan who have spoken about their, their experiences. Um just just unbelievable experiences that they had there. I started myself going in two thousand fourteen, although I've been told many years before that, you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go, and I just never did and you know finally i decided okay i bit the biscuit and i and i went and the only reason why i didn't want to go was because i thought it was only for the elite i always thought it was always the guys in the wwe or wcw or whatever else i never thought you know pro like me would ever get a chance to uh, to be you know able to go there and um you know when i went there it was like wow i i was i was you know, I think the word is thrilled. Um, everybody was open arms, you know, it was like, uh, it didn't matter whether or not you were the, the bottom feeder guy or the top guy, you know, on the shows, um, you were treated just the same. And that's really what made a, a big difference. And then you were know, the cribbage thing. What happened with that was that, um, I've been, excuse me, I was involved originally with Ricky Ataki, you know, he'd been playing a few years on the cribbage tournament and, um, and I've been conversing with him. I met him at the CAC in 2014. And um, you know, I I, I I talked to him a few times before that, and he had said, you know, you should come and play cribbage with us. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I used to play with my grandpa, and you know, we can we can do that. Of course, I would bounce out in the first round, but you know, whatever. Um, but it was fun. It was like a great opportunity to be able to just sort of converse with people. Conversations. Um meeting with people, different walks of life and whatever else. And uh, Bill White, who had been the uh, cribbage person for, oh, I'm thinking probably about six or seven years before that, and with now a friend as well, who passed away a few years ago. Uh, and, and Bill White, unfortunately, passed away as well. And Bill White, um, one year uh, in 2017, said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to CAC anymore. Can you uh, take over the cribbage for me? And, uh, there was big shoes to fill. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. Um, I mean, you've got guys like the super Detroit that have been, you know, part of the Cribbage tournament. You've got, you know, the, the Vachons that have been the Cribbage tournament, et cetera, uh, you know, big, big names. And so it was a big shoes to fill for me. Um, and I hope that I've done it justice in, in that regard. Um, but I know that, uh, you know, again, Bill White was saying just bring everybody in, have a good time. And that's what we've tried to do you know, when you play cribbage with us. Uh, it doesn't matter if you know the game or, or don't know the game. There's a lot of people that don't. Um, it's what the wrestlers used to play back in the day uh, in the locker rooms. You know, it's... Unlike poker or something like that, which you'd have to remember hands and that sort of thing, you could play a couple of rounds and 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 just have your pegs basically tell the story. So you could go do your match, come back and 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 resume the game again and finish it off. And uh, and that's what they would do for for many a time. Um, Well, Stuart,
1: I want to go ahead real quick. You were mentioning someone. Yes. I wanted to make (laughs) sure I brought this up here. This is one of the reasons why, for those that aren't familiar, the Destroyer was very much affiliated with oh. the, the Cribbage Tournament. And I got to tell you right now, I had to make sure that was one of the things that I've told Justin countless times as well. I've told the Night oh, Out. Yeah. I've told the Maestro. When you talk about the Cribbage Tournament in the CAC, the Destroyer, hands down, that was one of the faces. And nowadays, it's Cowboy Bob Wharton. Yeah. I mean, that's like been the name. And again, I'm going to tell you right now, and I put it out here a couple weeks ago, and you can probably see it somewhere over my head here. I have it here in my office. And, and you may see it. You made a real good point earlier on. I always felt, and and I don't think I've ever told Justin this, I've told a handful of people I've known. Like you said, there's times when you just don't feel that you're not at the same level, you're not Mm -hmm. at the same characteristic. And to be able to win, even though I was the runner-up, to be able to go out there and play with guys like Brian Walcott, a well-known historian of the oh. professional wrestling. How do they
4: know all this stuff? I just don't get, exactly. you know.
1: Exactly, and playing against guys like Cowboy Bob Orton, playing with people like Mike Chisholm, and and, and Steve, the gentleman who won it this this past yep. year. And I got to tell you right now, that very first game I played, I felt like I've been i I magically was kind of taken back twenty five years ago, sitting in the locker room playing cribbage, yep. just like everybody else. And I mean, again, it was a great experience and you get that opportunity. You meet so many people through the CAC and something like you said, you learned it from playing with your grandfather. Yeah, I learned it from sitting down playing with my dad Yep, and sitting there and and being able to carry on that tradition. I got to tell you right now, it really was a great experience. And Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, Stuart, having the opportunity to meet you and and I got to tell you right now, there are you and I have had so many stories off camera, off air, yeah. that we could have the Stuart Kemp show here <laughs> on the Russell Talk podcast and be able to uh, talk more about the world of professional wrestling. I know we're running pretty short on time here, but I do want to ask one more favor from you. Absolutely. You're a very busy man, you're you're involved with the cribbage tournament, you're in, involved with hockey.
4: Yep. As well, <laughs> you're
1: you're you're a man of many talents. Um, I do want to ask you one thing sometime down the road and I'm hoping it would be before the end of 22 I want to have you back on the program and to sit here and and I'll be honest there's a couple other people who I've had a chance to talk to but talk about professional wrestling in the Northwest talk about professional wrestling in Canada because a lot of us here in the States have an understanding of professional wrestling being one thing yes talk about wrestling like uh, you talk about Stampede. You talk about Winnipeg. You talk about uh, you talk about Toronto. You talk about yep. Montreal. You talk about uh, we were talking before about the Tony Canella death tours. Oh, you travel twenty four yes. hours in a, in a van, and you yep. just go, and all you see is ice and snow. One and- well, of
4: the worst things on that in that tour, so so you're traveling about twenty to twenty-four hours on a school bus over ice highways. You see the ice road truckers, I'm sure, on, on TV. It's pretty much like that. These guys are traveling to Indian towns, um, you know, that can only be accessed either by boat or or as it said by plane or by by vehicle during the wintertime, you know, with the bus. Um and what's what's terrible about it sometimes because they're doing the native Indian territories, if, um, if a person passes away in that, in that tribe that's higher up, the whole town shuts down. There isn't a show. Um, so these guys are camped out in gym, uh, because there are no hotels. They, you know, they bring a sleeping bag. They're, they're hoping that God is not going to be, they're not going to freeze to death because it's, it's minus 50 outside. Um, you know, and, and they're, and, and that's what they do for, for, you know, a couple of three weeks, you know, guys like Edge, guys like Rick Martell have been on those tours. Um, and they can tell you about some of those, uh, those tours that they were brutal. Of course, you know, on the, on the other side, we didn't mention the other thing was the Maritimes. If guys were working in Vancouver or Calgary, they would usually shut down in the summer. And the summertime was when the Maritimes would run. Prince, Albert, or, pardon, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, um, those those sorts of places would be running. And so uh, those guys would be transporting themselves from there in Vancouver and Calgary to the Maritimes on the other side of the, the country uh, to work for probably about six months or so, and then they'd be back again. Mm-hmm.
1: And i got to tell you, having the opportunity to talk with with, with great wrestling personalities like yourself and, and advanced Nevada. And we've got our good friends over at the FML promotion over in, in the greater Quebec area as well. I, I really want to have the opportunity to talk Canadian wrestling and talk about all the different things and the experiences that you've had. Um, Stuart, like I said, we're running kind of short on time here, but I, I want to say on behalf of the Russell talk podcast, I want to say thank you for joining us here this evening. I know that our viewership has really had a, a great time having you on the program. And again, I I very much value the friendship that I've gained with you over the past several months as part of the CAC.
4: And we're just going to play Cribbage next year.
1: That is true. Like I said, I got to figure out a way (laughs) to. I got to figure out a way to make make the return. And like I said, I got a second place plaque up here. I got to find a way to put that first place plaque up there. Maybe it'll be a rematch next year.
4: I've watched every year myself, so I figured that you know I'm due for something at some point. You know,
1: that is that is true, Stuart. That is true. Like I said, with that. I'm going to go ahead and let you know you take care of Stuart. And we look forward to seeing you right here. And I almost forgot you are now 100% guaranteed grade a officially a member of the Russell talk podcast family.
4: Big heart there. Mm -hmm. Big heart.
1: All right. Well, like I said with that, uh, Stuart, thank you for joining us on the program and we look forward to having you back on real soon.
4: I look forward to being back again soon. And thank you so much to our, our guys at Russell talk because I appreciate you guys very much.
1: All right, thank you very much, Stuart Kemp Bulldog Rob J- Brown Jr. Right here on the Wrestle Talk Podcast, Justin. I got to tell you, first hours in the books. What did you think of that interview?
3: It was very uh, insightful interview. I think we get, we're going to get a lot more for, from Mister uh, Mister Kemp. Uh, you know, like you said, he's he's probably got stories. You know, to, to fill uh, two hours with his uh, uh, talks of his uh, past uh, dealing with wrestling in Canada.
1: And like I said, we've got a lot of great other, uh, a lot of great other resources as well. Russell top podcast, always bringing you the best in professional wrestling, local, national, international level, hardcore Hoss, I'm going to go ahead real quick here. I know that you were taking care of things behind the scenes. I know you were listening to the interview with bulldog, Bob Brown, Jr., also known as Stuart Kemp. What were your thoughts about this interview that we have to say again, a very special shout out to the cauliflower alley club for helping make that interview happen.
2: Oh, it was a, it was great. Informative interview. You know, I really enjoyed listening to uh, to the things he had to say, and he, I could really see the uh, fans of the Wrestle talk interacting with it and everything, and, you know, just a wonderful interview, great interview, and look forward to seeing him back sometime and, yeah. and hearing some more stories.
1: Well, you know something, guys? I mean, again, and, and Justin, you now know we're an hour into the program. I'm going to go ahead right now, and I know firsthand that you – you need to make it a point to take care of getting some, some more refreshment. You've been you've been working hard doing all this research all day. We're going to go ahead here and take just a minute. And I'm going to go ahead. Hardcore Haas, I think our good friend that we usually see about every time this week, usually we kind of flip-flop things. But if I'm not mistaken, we've still got the snippets of truth and the FWWC. I got to ask you, are either of those two men, which are very much familiar with the program are either of them standing by
2: we do have a uh, representative from the fwwc standing by uh unfortunately perry is not backstage yet and uh, i have sent him a couple messages haven't heard back yet i'm not sure uh what's going on there but uh hopefully he'll pop in but uh, oh. we definitely have someone from the fwwc
1: well, you know something right now, and I'm gonna throw it out here. It's not a breaking news center, but it's there. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching AEW and you're listening to the WrestleTop podcast, or vice versa, it's ladies and gentlemen, it's Dalton Castle on AEW Wrestling for the ROH world heavyweight championship he is one-third of the six-man tag team champions of ring of honor just wanted to throw that out there i'm a huge dalton castle fan uh but at this point in time let's go ahead because i know it's it's your opportunity here hardcore hoss uh let's go ahead we got a representative talking about the fwwc which i believe you can catch every thursday night at seven thirty p.m
2: tonight is every thursday night seven thirty p.m uh central time uh with uh myself and ceo uh is the spokesperson for the show normally and uh you know we just have a real good time there and and talk fantasy wrestling which uh i know some people may think is just absolutely crazy but you know you have fantasy football you have fantasy baseball soccer why not fantasy wrestling and you know it for people who you know such as myself you know i have back problems leg problems knee problems all kinds of stuff and you know i i couldn't get in a ring if i wanted to uh, which you know i'd love to but i can't so you know what better way we cut promos we do role play uh we have matches you know we we pick from wwe occasionally aew uh, and the one who scores the most comes out as the winner and like say we promo against each other trash talk and have a real good time with it and uh
1: you know so why, Hoss, why not? i had an opportunity to see one of those fwwc promos not necessarily one of the most popular guys in the fwwc but i got an opportunity to see that promo from almata and i don't know how he managed to make it to vegas but he did I was sitting there, and I was eating my lunch. I was enjoying the CAC, and I saw Almata walking across the uh, across the uh, facility. And I'm like, only as a part of the CAC would you see Almata walking through as a part of that great event. But you know something? Let's go ahead, and we're going to go ahead and turn things over to our representative for the FWWC. I'm interested to see who's going to be here, so let's go ahead and bring him up. Our, our our special guest correspondent for the FWwC all
2: right ladies and gentlemen she is a former hardcore champion she is the first general manager to go all the way she uh she's got plenty of accolades to talk about uh, and both real life and the fWwC she is my one and only sister the one the only sister, Haas.
5: <laughs> hey 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 how is it going look good to see you man
1: hey thank you thank you Susie. i mean again right now i gotta tell you this i got a lot of cool stuff back here but if you turn around and look over your shoulder you've got a ton of hardware back there and as as, as hardcore was talking about before you're you've been a gm you've been a basically at the top of the, of, of the food chain in the FWWC, and I know tonight that you've got some things on your mind, so I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to you so we can kind of get a little more insight in the world that is the FWWC.
5: You know, it's, it's my pleasure to be here tonight representing the FWWC, and, you know, I am kind of the co-host or a backup host, if you will, for the CEO of the FWWC. It's always my pleasure to fill in when Dewan can't be here. And tonight is no exception. Uh, You know, CEO couldn't be here tonight. He had some personal business to take care of. So I decided to come on and take his place and introduce the card that we're going to have for Friday night. Now, we're going to have two really big matches Friday night. And as you can see by the screen, we've got Ace versus Karma. Now, I have been in the ring with both of these folks, and they are phenomenal wrestlers. So I'm really looking forward to that match. And then we have what they're going to call a last chance match with Holy Hell, which is our, um, Oni and Fallen and then the Hefty Boys and the Hefty Boys, my brother Haas and my adopted little brother, James the Brick Butt Kiss. And this is a last-chance match to see which of these two teams or which of these teams will face the tag team champions, Prophets of Madness, at Survivor Series. So this ought to be a really good match come Friday night, and I'm looking forward to all of these matches Friday night. And if you, you know, Haas was saying earlier, you know, if everybody talks about fancy wrestling. Well, let me tell you something. I have been one of the most active females in the FWWC for a very long time. Now, we do have a few other females, but if you are a female out there and you've always wanted to wrestle, but you just can't get in the ring for whatever reason, the FWWC is just what you're looking for. And you can come on and you can join us and, you know, we have a great time there. It's it's a big family. We have a great time and we have matches. We have pay-per-views and if you win a title we actually send it to you and you get to walk around for at least a month with that title on your shoulder and let me tell you i go to independent shows around here all the time and whenever i've had a title i walk in and everybody wants to know what's that where'd you get that when i had the spartans title the spartans heart championship let me tell you everybody wanted to know what it was so come join us if you are a big wrestling fan Check out the FWWC. And Thursday nights, 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern. Check out the FWWC
1: tonight. We will. All right. You know something, Sister Hoss? When you sit there and you talk about the FWWC, you are an aficionado of it. When you talk about Hardcore Hoss, you talk about Nightmare Jones and all of his exploits. You talk about the Night Owl. I got to tell you a lot of the great conversations we've had about the FWWC have come from you and it's from your experience and your knowledge of the, the world's premier fantasy wrestling group. And I got to tell you, it's always you're, I mean, you're watching every week. You're always contributing to the FWWC and I got to tell you, it is an honor and a privilege, not only to have you on the program, but to consider you a part of the Talk podcast family and a part of my family as well. Thank you for coming on the program and we look forward to seeing you Thursday night as we talk about the FWWC available on all forms of social media, 8.30 Eastern, pardon <coughs> me, 7.30 Central, 6.30 Mountain, 5.30 Pacific, and all over everywhere through social media. Sister Haas, thank you for coming on the program. You know, season.
5: before I go, before I go, let me tell you one thing. You were talking about Mata there just a minute. You know, I have an opportunity at our Survivor Series. I myself, along with Savior Saints, are going to face Almada for his title, the Warriors Heart Championship. Mm -hmm. So me and Savior Saint and Mata are going to do a three-way match at Survivor Series, and I cannot wait. You know, I've had nothing but a lot of respect for Almada, but hey, business is business, and I intend to walk out of Survivor Series, the Warriors Heart Champion.
1: And you heard it right here, Sister Haas talking about the match at Survivor Series, the FWWC Survivor Series at Three-Way Dance. Sister Haas, Savior Saint, and of course, Almada for the Warriors Heart Championship. You know, when that happens, we're going to have to have you here on the program. And I'm going to tell you right now, we talk about Mada. He's already blowing up my phone. We're going to have to we're gonna have to have kind of deal with that at a later time. But again, Sister Haas talking FWWC right here tonight. I hope you're going to stay with us for our second interview momentarily, with H.D. Daniels in just a few moments. Thank you, Sister Haas, and we'll see you again soon. Right now, I think at this point in time, I know the Hardcore Haas is floating around here somewhere. Haas, I got to tell you, she laid it down tonight, man. She's, she's pulling no punches.
2: Always does, I tell you.
1: Well, you know something? We're getting real close to our second interview. We're going to have referee H.D. Daniels on here in just a few moments. I know I think we're going to be joined here momentarily. By our broadcast colleague Justin Wade, and Justin's joining us here. Hey, hey, you're here. I'm impressed. You managed to find your way back to the program. Yeah. This evening. Well, I got to tell you right now, Justin, uh, we're going to have a great interview here in the second hour. Uh, and and Hardcore Haas is our, our second guest in the um, in the green room yet. Yes, he is. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead. and We're going to send things over to you in just a minute. Um, I got to tell you here. Our second guest this evening as a part of the Talk podcast is a man who I've really, over the course of the past couple of years, have grown to respect not only as an in-ring official, not only as a very knowledgeable person inside the Squared Circle, but a man I respect infinitely as a human being. Had an opportunity when this man was struggling, trying to find his way in the world of professional wrestling, spending many hours inside the Squared Circle learning his craft, learning what it takes to be an expert official, an expert man when it comes to the world of being a professional wrestling official. H.G. Daniels got bummed out. He got frustrated. And he took the time to learn, not just from those that were in the ring, but he took the opportunity, much like our previous guest Stuart Kemp talked about, to learn under the learning tree of those that came before him in the world of professional wrestling. And I mean, since he's made his debut, he's competed and he's been, a, he's been an official for such promotions as Dynamo Pro Wrestling, as WLW, as Glory Pro Wrestling, as BACW. I mean, he has been all over the place in the world of professional wrestling and i gotta tell you it's indeed an honor and a privilege to have him here on the program so hardcore hoss if you would be so kind let's go ahead and hit that intro music for the one the only hd daniels go ahead and hit that intro music All right, ladies and gentlemen, HP. Welcome to the program here tonight on a Tuesday night here on Russell Talk. How are you doing this evening, sir?
6: I'm good. How are you guys doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing awesome. I can't speak for my broadcast colleague. I mean, again, he is like two hours behind us. But but, Justin, how are you? Are you still doing good out there in in the Seattle land?
3: Yeah, I think so. You know, we got the great Sasquatch out here in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm going to keep my eyes open.
1: Yeah, well, I got to ask you first here. I kind of feel out of sorts here because I'm the only one without the bald head.
3: Well, if you didn't look like Humpty Dumpty, you'd be okay with the bald head.
1: (laughs) Well, you know something, too, and I was just sitting there thinking about it. When you talk about officials here in the St. Louis area, I I, got to ask you, and this is going to be one of those I'm going to have to find out, especially this Friday as a part of the Ben Oliver Memorial Tournament with Dynamo Pro Wrestling, I got to find out who was the one – that's been bald longer. You, a referee, Christopher Miles. Are you talking to me or? Well, H. I gotta talk about HD Daniels here because I mean, as long as I've <laughs> known him, and as long as I've known Christopher Miles, both referees, both very accomplished referees, and I've never known them to have hair on the top of their head.
6: So, first of all, Luke, thanks for having me and inviting me. Um, if you if you guys saw me before you brought me on backstage while I was technically in the backstage digital area, I could not get my lighting right. And I still don't know if it's right. And part of it is because I has this light bouncing off my head. I can't. You're,
3: you're blocking it, actually. You're doing it. Right. It's perfect. I, it, it, it's, if, perfect. if I move this way, if I move
6: this way it, it messes up the light. So I got to, I don't know, it's weird. But when you met me, Luke, I was, I did have hair. But I was in that stage of, uh, I'm not really going to be bald. That's not going to be me. I'm not going to be that guy. And it, I saw some photos of myself from the back, and I was like, ooh, that looks really bad. I'm balding pretty pretty dang good there. So I, I earlier this year is when I finally submitted and started shaving my head. <laughs> but as far as your, your question, who's been bald longer, that would be Christopher Miles.
1: Well, like I said, you, you both you both rocked the hairstyle real well, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've had the opportunity, and, and I know Justin remembers a couple years ago, I had to shave my head for some from some surgery, and I got to tell you. It was you, a horror yeah, show. Yeah, it, it, it was not pretty. I'm going to tell you that Bright right night. now. But, but I want to go ahead here and kind of take a little bit of a detour. I know we could talk about how you got into professional wrestling and all that, and we're going to have plenty of time to talk to you about that. But I want to throw something out here that a lot of people don't know, and I know – that as soon as we start talking about it, the light bulb over Justin Ted's gonna go off in just a minute. Before you even got involved in professional wrestling, am I correct? One of the first stories, first conversations I ever had was you were very familiar with another well known, very outspoken St. Louis professional wrestling personality before you even got into professional wrestling.
6: Are you talking about Tom?
1: I'm talking about the one, the only spoiled Stephen Kennedy. I got I to gotta get a little oh, bit yes. of a backstory here because Justin's been in the ring with this man. Justin remembered a true story here, and I don't know if you've ever heard this story, HD. It was back right about the time Justin was getting ready to make his debut inside the ring, and there was a matchup between Jeremy Lightfoot and spoiled Stephen Kennedy for the Max Mid-America Extreme Illinois State Championship, a championship, which my broadcast colleague has held for a number of months as well in his career. And I don't know what happened, but I came back uh, later on. I had just taken a break. I was getting a bottle of water. I was an official that night. And I come back, and I I have never – he's probably one of the top five people I've seen. He comes back through the curtain. You can't see his eyes blinking. You can't see – I mean, you couldn't see – like this part of his chest, because somehow during the course of the match, he was bleeding all over the place. And I know, Justin, you remember seeing the picture from our good friend Patrick Brandmeier. Yeah. I mean, it looked like he had literally had his face just ground on. Looks like he put his face in a
3: bowl of marinara.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was not pretty, but 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 I digress here. Can you share a little bit? Of that, that background history between you and Stephen Kennedy.
6: Well, Luke, I hate to put you out like this, but I don't have that relationship. I'm unfamiliar with that name.
1: Oh, I get you. I get you. We'll 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 keep that for another time.
6: All right. All right. I I apologize.
1: (laughs) That's no problem. We can keep that for another time. And again, that's one of those being respectful. I mean, but, but anyway, I digress. We now go into your opportunity to get into the world of professional wrestling. Can you share with the viewers of the top podcast what motivated you to become a member of the professional wrestling? Team?
6: It's always something that was intriguing to me. You know, I've been watching wrestling, I don't know, 25 years, something like that. And you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I'd love to be a wrestler. And then life kind of gets in the way sometimes. Go to college, whatnot. Me, myself, I have a wife, I have kids. And it got to a point where I was just like, I still have this itch to be part of the business, but I don't know what it would be. And I know St. Louis is big in the independence scene, So how do you do that? What do you do? And I, I always thought being the guy in the ring, counting one, two, three, would be so cool and so i got in contact with dynamo and started attending their dojo dojo classes and that's where i met you and you were you were a big coach big help to me along with the other coaches and that's the the short version of ah man i just i thought the thrill of having the crowd count one two three with me would be so cool and having the best seat in the house with some really cool wrestling matches.
1: Well, I got to tell you this. And, and Justin, you, you've been an in-ring competitor, so you can know where I'm going with this. I remember one of the first times you refereed in Dynamo Pro Wrestling. And as officials, we are impartial. We cannot we – got to call it right down the middle. And I remember watching your face the first time you came through at Dynamo Pro Wrestling. It had been a couple months. And the fans were actually booing you and giving you grief because you were doing your job. i got to ask you, and I've asked a couple of our, our, our friends here at the Russell Top Podcast, what does it feel like to know that you're doing your job and the fans don't like the job you're doing?
6: Do we break the fourth wall here?
1: We can a little bit. I mean, again, it's one okay. of those, you sit there and look at it. I mean, again, you're doing your job, but yet the fans don't right. appreciate it.
6: So what I don't like about that particular aspect is I'm doing my job, the crowd doesn't like it. What does that do? That gives me heat. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't want the heat. I want the heat to go where it's supposed to go, which would be the heel of the match. That is true. And I've had sure. I've had many occasions where we get to the back and I'm talking with the boys. It's like guys, I had more heat than you. That's I don't know I don't know how exactly that happened, but um it was uncomfortable. It's always a little uncomfortable. Like, I, I don't know why the crowd is behaving certain ways. Sometimes you can never control a wrestling crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. So.
1: And you know, one thing, and, and Justin, I'm going to go ahead and kind of throw things to you here in a minute. Would you say HD that this is one of those kinds of things where it's, and we talked with Stuart Kemp in the first hour. Do you think it's something about how wrestling has changed over the course? And you talk about being a fan Like Justin and I, we've been fans for many years as well as being in-ring competitors. Would you say it's just the dynamic of professional wrestling changing from the days of the 80s where the official was considered to be the most respected person inside the ring or just as respected as the wrestlers? And now it's almost like by doing what's right and respectful that now we're almost being considered to be, oh, I'm trying to put the word to it, almost like we're looked down upon.
6: Well, uh, I don't know if looked down upon. I almost think everybody thinks they could be a referee. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You count three, you count ten, you count five. Uh, I just did a show over the weekend where there was a, a bunch of outside shenanigans. And there was a, a backstage beatdown during the match. We All we heard in the back behind the curtain was a bunch of noise and and things flying and banging on the ground. I slowed down my count for the shock value of that moment. While I did that, I had people in the crowd, why aren't you counting fast enough? Start counting, blah, 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 stuff like that. Like, guys, yes, technically that's true. Maybe I should have been counting, but do you hear what's happening here? Let's live in the moment now. It's not always about counting to ten. What, what's what's going on in the environment here? Let's pay attention to that. Don't pay attention to me. Even though I was the only one in the ring at the time. And
1: and, and I could agree, I could agree with you hundred percent there in the idea of where there are times when and again, it's a term that a lot of people don't understand. like you said, you talk about how people want to have think they can be a referee. It's called referees. Discretion. There's a lot sure. of ways you can look at it. You can look at it from there. I think back to a matchup, and all you you may have seen it in HD. It was back uh was part of Super Clash 3 in the AWA. It was when the unification of Jerry Lawler and Kerry Von Erich. And Kerry Von Eric early in the match had a cut on his head, and the official he could have stopped the match right then and there because Kerry was bleeding buckets. But the referee continued to let it go, but he constantly kept watch on it. And that's one of the things when you sit there and look at it, let the referee do their job. And I would agree with you hundred percent. Now, Justin, you're going to look at this a little bit differently because you spent more of your time being inside the ring as the competitor being either admonished or acknowledged by the referee being a competitor. I want to throw things over to you because I want you to bring a different perspective to this interview besides my, my own perspective.
3: Well, you know, when I worked on both sides, you know, making the crowd cheer or making the crowd boo, in my head you always worked with the referee. It's always about uh, making the – you know, it's like a piece uh, – it's like a, it's like a, a painting. you got to put all the pieces together. And if you're not working with the referee, then, you know, things could go kaput. Like you said, you had the fans booing you when they should be the boo and the heel. Now, when you had that happen, HD, did you, you know uh, – uh, pass along during the match did you uh signal that hey guys they're booing me they're not booing the right person
6: so uh i usually don't acknowledge the fans during the match at okay. all they can have they can heckle me all they want i don't give them the attention i i don't respond because the match isn't about me if I, no. if I if i start if i start talking to the fans like well what is this ref doing It's about the other competitors in the ring. I'm just there to facilitate their story. Um, There was one incident a couple weeks ago. It was a triple threat match. One of the competitors had a valet with them and the valet was doing all kinds of crazy shenanigans on the outside, you know, interfering in the match, hitting with weapons, stuff like that. There was one fan would not let up on me. You know, ref, what are you doing? She's cheating, blah blah blah. I did not acknowledge him one time through the whole match, and afterwards, after the bell, I got down. And I spoke with him. I said, "Listen, sir, triple threats are no disqualification. I, I I heard you the whole time, but those are the rules." And we shook hands and we moved on. So,
3: okay, yeah, because you know, if you acknowledge him, you know, you know, he's complaining that you're right. uh, not seeing the the valet. But if you acknowledge him, you're going to miss something else. So, you know, Correct. you're playing right. the the right role and. uh Luke, uh, uh, you know, I've always had a, you know, you've been ref, you've refed my matches in the past. And uh, I think we can agree that we all have to work together to uh, put on a show for the fans.
1: Well, well, I got to throw one out here too. And and again, being an official, it's kind of a unique situation because um, I know you've heard the story before about how wrestlers over the course of their career have been known to travel with other wrestlers. And I remember the story, and I know I shared. I think I shared it last week when Justin was on the program. And, and you can see HD. Justin's not a little guy. Thanks. <laughs> well, hey, I'm not either. You remember i <laughs> half this guy. But when you sit there and look at it, and being able to remember some of the things and some of the influences of, of road trips and people you've been on the road with and things like that, it really gives you a perspective of the professional wrestling world. Now, I've got to ask you. As an official, who do you turn to to get input, to get more insight on doing your job as an official? Are there anybody – I mean, again, there's a lot of great officials here in the St. Louis area, uh, guys like um, Jay King, like um, – uh, I know Shaft is refereed on a few occasions. you got guys like Christopher Miles. Uh, I've been in the ring a few times. Um Is there anybody that you really turn to as kind of a voice for advice when you're inside the ring and when you're, when you're doing your job?
6: Yeah, I would say number one would be uh, Dr. J King. He was the first referee I met in the business. I suppose I met you and Jay around the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, Jay is, I don't even know how long he's been a referee, but I remember I've had a couple brain farts like early on. You're like Jay, why, wh- why do I stop the count of ten when the guy comes in and comes out? Like I know the answer, but I just I, I couldn't think of it at that time. He like he calms me down. We do we do these things for these reasons. He just he has that experience of being so calm in the ring, and I'm trying to adapt to that style. I, I feel like I've been a little calmer these days, and uh, can deal with more situations as it come. Um, Sadie Blaze, I talked to him. I just had a conversation with him at the, at the last Dynamo show. You know, what can I do for you to be better? He gave me some pointers. Um, and then, you know, there's a few wrestlers that I talked to. Adrian Serge is a big advocate of mine, always complimenting me and helping me get better as well.
1: Well, I gotta tell and you
6: right now. You. Well, that's, <laughs> too.
1: Well, well, thank you for that. But like I said, I gotta ask you, and, and again, this is going to kind of veer off a little bit. Um, Recently, since the beginning of the year, we've seen a different side of Adrian Surge inside the Squared Circle. And and I've got to ask you, has it it kind of, and again, I'm kind of bending things here a little bit. Has it been a little bit different when you're having those conversations, knowing that the fans have gone from really having that that almost love for Adrian Surge, and now he's honestly one of the most despised men on the Dynamo Pro roster?
6: So, I would say my relationship with Serge is still professional. But if he does something to get out of line, I'm not. I don't feel nervous, or I feel that is my place to tell him. I don't feel uncomfortable doing that. Whether it's before the match, during the match, or after the match, like Serge, what the heck are you doing? Come on, you know you're not supposed to do that. And I'll I, I'll stand up for the rules of the law as needed in the wrestling ring.
1: Okay, that's, that's very simple and straightforward to the point. Now, I've got to ask you this. You have been in countless promotions throughout the Midwest. Are there any matches or any wrestlers? You, you kind of meant, ref, made reference this little earlier ago. Any matches or any wrestlers that have really stood out to you as, oh, I really hope that I can get the assignment of that person's match or I really enjoy what they do inside the ring. Are there any wrestlers that really kind of, um, pique your interest, I guess would be the best way to put that.
6: So of uh, just Adrian Serge. I'll mention his name again. I love doing his matches. They're always fun. Um, I love a new up and coming wrestling. It was Tommy Davis. I love Tommy Davis. Matches. Um, when I see a car that has, let's say, A.T.M. I love doing A.T.M. matches, Mike Outlaw matches, Camaro Jackson matches. Um, I just I've done this year. I've done two Delirious matches. Mm-hmm. Those those matches are crazy, off the wall. I never know what he's gonna. Do. Uh, let's see. I've done a few Warhorse matches. Those are always fun. Um, I try not to show up to a show my bookings and be upset because I'm there to, I'm, I'm there because I know I'm going to enjoy myself. So I try not to look at a match and say, oh, that's a bummer. that That's not really my thing. So I try to enjoy everything.
1: Well, I gotta I gotta tell you right now, I've had the opportunity to, to referee a few delirious matches in my career. But I gotta tell you this, I would rather be the official for a, for a delirious mm-hmm. match than a commentator for a delirious mm-hmm. match. I'm going to tell you right now, True story. The last time that we had Delirious in a Dynamo Pro Ring, and it wasn't the match with Beachbody, Ryan Ash. It wasn't the match where where Ash was forced to retire. But I had an opportunity to call commentary for that matchup. And I'm going to tell you right now, calling commentary for that matchup is almost like Delirious. It's just sheer chaos. (laughs) You're hoping that you right. can keep up with the man. And I got to tell you, right. inside the ring, great competitor. I uh, had an opportunity in a, a variety of different uh, promotions to be around the ring with him. And again, he's crazy. It he might be a little bit strange, but he gets the job done inside the ring. Now, I want to bring up here, and you know that the, the Russell Talk podcast has a lot of great viewers. And of course, I know he's going to be upset that we didn't bring up his question. We're going to bring it up here from our good buddy, Sunny Money Mail. Here's your question: If you could have a referee Mount Rushmore, who would it be?
6: So is that four or five?
1: Uh, let's go with four.
6: Okay. So I I know um, there's a few old school NWA referees, Luke, that you appreciate. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out there that I'm not the oldest of old school fans, so I don't know all their names. Um, I'm going to start with my favorite Charles Robinson. Okay. I love Charles Robinson. Um, referee John Cone is another one of my favorites in WWE. He's not on TV hardly at all anymore. If, if at all, but I I love his style. Um, let's see. I I like, um, Chad Patton, Rudy Charles. Those are, those are some good. I guess I'm naming modern day referees. So uh, I'm not so well versed in the very old school style of refereeing, if that makes sense.
1: Well, I, I get where you're coming from on that. I mean, again, you've been a long time fan, but you've been looking at wrestling from a different perspective. You've been a long time right. fan who's just made the transition in the last year and a half, two years' time to being inside right. the ring. Now, Justin, you and I have had this conversation before, yeah. And I know you've been looking at it for more of being an in-ring competitor. Let's throw it to you. If you could name a referee's Mount Rushmore, who would you choose?
3: All right, you got to go with uh, old WCW uh, referee Randy Anderson, little Ra- uh, little Randy Anderson. Unfortunately, uh, I think he passed on a couple of years ago. Uh, then you got uh, Earl Hebner. He's got to be number one, you know. Uh, Let's Let's see, you got, uh, yeah, yeah, Hebner's there. Mm -hmm. Then you got, uh, who was the referee Rob in the NWA who you, uh, I remember most like refing, like flair and steamboat matches,
1: uh, Tommy Uh, young,
3: uh, Tommy young. Yeah. Tommy young. And then I'm going to say, uh, I liked Mickey J. He used to be a SmackDown referee, I believe. He was easy, like when they brought ECW back to the WWE, right. he was uh, he was on ECW, then they transferred him to uh, SmackDown, but I always got that old school ref mentality from Mickey J. So those are my four.
1: So. Okay, well, I'm gonna tell you right now, a couple of mine are gonna definitely kind of confuse some people here. Um, probably. my first <laughs> is probably gonna be Nick Patrick. Oh yeah. I think Nick Patrick was consistently one of the best referees uh, that the NWA, WCW had to offer. He did spend some time in the WWE. Um, my second would probably be Tommy yum The third, ooh, the 3rd I'm probably going to go with, this is going to be a name that's going to throw a lot of people, Jimmy Rochus Dugan. Uh, Tell us about referee. him, Rob. I don't.
3: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know
1: who long, he is. Long, long time wrestling uh, referee out on the West Coast, and the fourth, which is going to surprise a lot of people, is Tiger Hatori. Okay. I think I know, all, yeah. all of it. And again, you still got to throw out the Heaveners. I mean, I kind of look at it. You leave out ref, uh, referees like Joey Morella, uh, back in the eighties. Eighties nineties
3: until ninety three. Yeah. Morella. Yeah. 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 Mark Curtis.
1: Really good. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good referees. Uh, Paul Turner's another one. A lot of people might give a lot of, of, of grief, but. Um,
3: what about Bill I mean, Alfonso when he was, uh, he was reffing uh, early I mean, WCW, WWF before he went to ECW to manage uh, uh, Rob Van Dam and Taz. Didn't,
6: didn't he
1: referee? Uh, I think it was super brawl one. Didn't he referee uh, Tatsumi the tag match was- and Ric Flair? Yeah, he was the ref for that match too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great referees now. My my question is this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another one out here. And this is gonna be more like a roundtable discussion. And again, making a point if you're enjoying the program here, and again, thank you for throwing Aaron Earl Hebner out there as well. Um, another one to look at here again. Hashtag Let's Talk Wrestling. That's what we're doing right here tonight with referee HD Daniels. Now, HD, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of get a little bit self centered here. Being the media relations director with Dynamo Pro Wrestling, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about this coming Friday, the Ben Oliver Memorial Tournament. Now I know you didn't have a lot of dealings with Big Bad Ben. But what none is it? Of, none but from from what you've heard from the veterans of the locker room, from all the road stories that you've heard, what does it mean to you to be a part of this uh this Friday night's event?
6: It, me. it's important to me to be a part of, of an event that's important to other people that find the event important, if that makes sense. So I remember when Sadie first announced this tournament, it may have been about a year ago. He said, we're going to have this tournament. And he was almost choked up making the announcement. I was like, wow, this must be really important to him. So by default, it's important to me. So I've heard nothing but good things about this man and hopefully the show can live up to the legacy that he has left and i i want to learn about him i want to ask as many questions as i can uh when when i get to the events on friday
1: well i gotta tell you right now i mean again i've been around pro wrestling a long time and the opportunity to have known big bad ben there were many years that ben and i didn't get along and i felt very fortunate in the fact that dynamo pro wrestling gave me the opportunity to kind of uh I, I almost say extend an olive branch and really kind of sit down and try to mend some fences that had um, a lot of people didn't think could be mended. And I mean, when you sit there and look at it for years in St. Louis, when you were looking independent wrestling, you were looking at basically the MMWA and that was it. And to see what big bad Ben was able to do with MRW and then GCW. I mean, again, it made professional wrestling. It, it changed the way that, professional wrestling at an independent level was looked at in St. Louis. And and again, um, uh, can we go ahead and bring up Aaron Wallace's comment? I think he really kind of hits the point on the head here. Um, Hardcore Host, you can bring that back up. Uh, Rest in peace to Big Bad Benny. Was at my first show? I got to know him a little bit as older, amazing big man, and even a better person. It hit hard, hit a lot of people. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen a lot of people who are talking about the importance of of this event. Uh, I mean, again, if you look at the Dynamo Pro roster, people that have the influence, I mean, Jim and Crystal Young, uh, Sadie Blaze, uh, Outcast, Ryan Ash, Jackal, um, uh, Rocket, um, the Don Mega Shorty Biggs, um, Delirious, Mischief, Matt Seidel, Daisy Hayes. Uh, Johnny Green piece. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Sean Uh, Vincent, Sean Vincent, Mike Sharona, Jack Adonis. I mean, Trent Stone. Trent Stone. Thank you for bringing that one up too, Justin. Yeah. He's XWLW champion. That is true. Uh, But when you sit there and you look at, I mean, all these people have their connection. Uh, Another one, Kevin X, another one that pops into my head with that, but to see all the wrestlers that have a connection to the world of professional wrestling because of someone like Big Bad Ben. It's going to be a great event this week, this Friday night. And again, if you get an opportunity, um, the Concordia Turner Gymnasium, make sure you get your ticket. Uh, I believe doors open uh, for this event at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock bell time, special 7 o'clock bell. Make it a point to be there, get your tickets, and bring people out. It's going to be a really great event. Now, now, Justin, I want to go ahead and throw things over to you because I can I can just see what the wheels are turning in your head. I just have one thing to say about uh, Big Bad Ben. Like, I got my –
3: uh, initial uh, knowledge of Big Bed Ben back in the uh old days before I got into the world of wrestling around the 98 99 era. If you don't mind me bringing up an old show, uh, Luke, mm-hmm. is that okay? That's fine. Uh, The Stranglehold by uh, radio personality Brian Stahl. He used to have a show every Tuesday night, and that's why I'm kind of getting the feelings here. Of what we're doing here every Tuesday night, uh, it's nowhere in the realm of yet of what Mr. Stahl did, but. It's more, you know, you know, it's getting viewership. And, uh, anyways, what I wanted to say is that uh, I got my introduction to Big Bad Ben when they were promoting shows with him, Wrecking Ball Pete Mad. and mm-hmm. I really do think I only had, and when I was, you know, doing shows, working, you know, as a wrestler back in the day, uh, a few cro- uh, times, uh, chances that I got to uh, talk with Big Bad Ben. And we could never, you know, put two and two together to where, you know, we could work together, but he was always fair to me. He was always a nice man. He was good to his boys. You know, he, he he won't around as big, bad, bad. Yeah. But those who were really close to him, I could tell that they cared and loved that man a lot. And I really wish in the independent wrestling scene in St. Louis This memorial show could be a bigger thing just not from one promotion i wish it could be cross branded because he was a big name in the st louis industry for a long time and still is you guys are putting a memorial show on for him i just wish other promotions could work together just for once to do this for him
1: And and that's a really great thought justin and the idea of where i mean ben impacted so many professional wrestling promotions It wasn't just GCW. There were a lot of promotions that he had had a connection to. And, again, the opportunity, I mean, that may be something down the road. But, I mean, again, it was very fortunate that he was recognized. Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. And, again, a man who definitely changed the St. Louis professional wrestling scene. Now, now, gentlemen, talking about the professional wrestling world, we're getting about to that point of time in the show each and every week what's called the world-famous Top Podcast Game Show Challenge. <laughs> an opportunity to where one of our hosts, that being certain guys named Justin Wade, and certain bald-headed officials named H.D. Daniels, would be able to have an opportunity to compete in a best two-out-of-three fall contest about a, per- a particular professional wrestling topic. Now, H.D., I'm going to warn you. Justin last week managed to make it work. But I think you've got the right the right formula tonight. I just have this feeling that Justin's winning streak could be over tonight. It's, it's Are, only been a week. I don't have a streak. It's a... You're 1-0. <laughs> you're undefeated. Oh, okay. So, I got the taker okay, streak going on. Okay. I, I, I always think about the movie Major League. If you can win this week, it's two in a row. So let's let's, just kind of roll with it here. Hardcore Austin, can you go ahead and hit the music for tonight's installment of the world famous Russell Talk podcast, Game Show Challenge? Gentlemen, and welcome to this week's installment of the world famous Russell Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for the first two out of three falls. Our contestants tonight are the current host of the WrestleTalk Talk Podcast, Justin Wade, and referee HD Daniels. Now, gentlemen, in a few moments, I'm going to give you information about three professional wrestling personalities. When you think you know the answer, you shout out the answer. The first one to get two out of three falls correct will be tonight's winner. Now. Tonight's Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge category is something that may be a little bit different for both of you. Tonight's Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge category
3: wrestling referees. You're gonna have to
1: resell that. No, 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 no. You froze. I I can't have referees because that would be I know that it would be unfair. So how about I change it up tonight? Professional wrestling managers. I'm going to give you information on three managers that made their name and made their reputation in the world of professional wrestling. When you think, you know who this individual is, shout out your answer. First two out of three wins tonight's contest. Again, tonight's category to be fair to everybody involved is professional wrestling managers. Justin, are you ready? Oh yeah. HD, are you ready? Go. All right. Question number one. This individual spent time in many promotions, including world-class championship wrestling, the NWA and WCW. Wrestlers that he managed included Chris Adams, the great Kabuki, Teddy Hart, and the great Ooh. Muda. Name him. Teddy Hart? No. oh
6: Jimmy Hart? No. You can
1: keep guessing <laughs> answers, gentlemen. As a little extra added bonus, he was also known for his bald head.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh,
1: Gary Hart. Gary Hart is the correct yeah. oh, okay. One to nothing for Justin. <laughs> gentlemen, are you ready for question number two? Sure. Teddy Who's Teddy Hart? Is there Teddy Hart? <laughs> yeah, Teddy Hart was a member of the Hart family, one of the last graduates of the Hart country. Okay. All right, all right. Let's, let's go. Here we go. question number two. This individual is a WWE Hall of Famer.
6: Queen Charmel. No.
1: <laughs> but he is a Hall of Famer as a wrestler. He was also a manager... Of WWF Tag Team Champions, the Godwins. Name him. Oh, Hillbilly like Jim. That is correct. Justin's up two falls to none. Now, HD. I'm gonna tell you right now. Justin <laughs> already has the victory. But sure. if you can, if he sweeps you tonight, that's not going to be good for you.
6: No, that's okay though.
1: Okay, we're gonna see what's here, you, you gentlemen. Well, go ahead, Justin. It's kind of unfair to HD because he,
3: he hasn't been following as long as I have. I think I'm older than him. I'm 38.
1: So. All right. Well, at this point, we're going to go ahead and throw a third one out here. And we're going to see if HD can at least wind up winning the final fall. This we'll individual see. was known for countless classic wrestling moments. He was known as a manager in WCW, ECW, and the WWE. Paul Heyman? Ladies and gentlemen, well, the clean sweep takes place tonight, and Justin Wade goes 3-0 and against AC. HD, and I don't have nothing
3: besides the show, oh. so I needed this. Oh.
1: <laughs> so at okay. this point... Hardcore you be so kind. For the second week in a row, can you hit the music for tonight's winner of the game show challenge? Justin Wade. E. J. Cabin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, i got to throw this one up here because we have a a, a viewer that posted something here. Hardcore Haas, can you bring this up here real quick? First time in a long time I've seen an emoji make a ton of sense. Can you bring up that graphic right here? Mm. It's got a broom. Sweep. Ladies and gentlemen, had to bring it up here. What a beautiful woman in that photo. Podcast, bringing it up there again. uh, HD, for those that – for those that would like to see you inside the square circle, I know you're a referee. You don't want to have the attention drawn to you, but those that want to know what's going on in the world of HG Daniels, where can they find out more about you and what upcoming events are you going to be taking part in?
6: So my Twitter handle is right on the screen here at Homs Dick Daniels. Uh, we already talked about this coming Friday, the Ben Memorial Tournament. November 4th, the next weekend after that, I will be at Pro Wrestling Epic in Alton, Illinois. And November 5th, the next day, is a very big show, World League Wrestling's 23rd anniversary, the house that Harley Race built. Trevor Murdoch, the NWA World's Champion, will be in action. I'm really looking forward to that one. And uh, I'm at Dynamo once a month, definitely for sure, that one. Uh, The World League Wrestling once a month as well.
3: HD, keep getting those reps in, man. It's nice to meet you, man.
6: Thank you very much for having me.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, HD Daniels here on the Russell Talk Podcast this evening, and as he as he's going ahead and taking care of things, uh, we and right now, I know we are going to keep you up to date on everything NXT and AEW, and as many people predicted, right now as we stand, we have John Moxley in the ring, and who has just made his appearance, but the one, the only Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, he's at ringside right now. Could it be a situation where we see him cash in his chip and go for the AEW World Championship tonight? Only time's going to tell here. Now, before we get too much farther along here tonight, we've had a great show, but we need to take an opportunity here and kind of reflect a little bit. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to go ahead, and I want to go ahead and bring on a man who's very knowledgeable of the Russell Talk podcast. I want to go ahead and bring on our good friend, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Big Daddy P. Go ahead and hit that intro music hardcore, Haas hey. Hey. Hello.
4: All right, ladies and gentlemen, Big
1: Daddy P, we would not have a Wrestle Talk podcast. It would not be a complete show without having you here on the program tonight, a little bit later than normal, but that's all right because we've got the one and only Big Daddy P here tonight. How are you doing, Barry? I'm doing great, brother. You doing all right? I got to tell you, it's been a great show here tonight. And like I said, right now AEW is keeping us on pins and needles. We got John Moxley and MJF going back and forth here. But like I said, right now we're going to be talking about that in the next few minutes. Right now, we need to be talking about those snippets of truth. I got to tell you, we've had some people bring up some things here. I know we had uh, Sister Hoss was talking about uh, some family issues, Uh, parkour. I know you might want to talk about that a little more, uh, possibly um we also got a like i said i had a friend of mine last week who uh, lost their brother as you know the night owl is uh still taking care of some family matters as it relates to um the passing of his grandmother uh i was kind of scanning through here real quick um i just gotta throw it out here Uh, a lot of things going on in the world big daddy p but i just want to see how things are going on in your in your part of the world here this evening well, uh, right now I'm I'm trying to connect to Wi-Fi so I can get better. Is my audio okay? We're yeah. hearing you just fine. I mean, again, your your video is a little bit choppy, but we can still hear you a hundred percent right here tonight.
0: Okay, good. Do uh, not you just keep this picture instead, and then that that should drop down the bandwidth a bit.
1: All right. Well, like I said, we we've got those several that is, here.
3: Are still we're having some technical difficulties. It's fortunate because I know he wants to uh, to give us that info. It just uh, it's frustrating when uh, your your Wi-Fi is not working. You know.
1: And like I said, Big Daddy, are you there? Finish 37. thirty-seven.
0: I'm trying to connect to the Wi-Fi here. And I am connected. So this should get better
1: very quickly. I apologize, guys. Oh, that's no problem, you right. P. You're, you're here. And that's the biggest thing is you're able to be a part of the Talk podcast. Uh, real quick here. Let me go ahead real quick. I think we just had some more stuff pop up here. Uh, we had another one from um, Aaron Lawrence. Uh, his son is struggling with the loss of his grandfather. Um, another one that's out there. Um Again, we've had several different requests. i um, just going to kind of throw things to you here tonight. I know you've been able to listen to uh, parts of the program. And why yeah. don't you go ahead and, 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 and lay a little bit of truth on us here tonight.
0: Well, first of all, as you already
1: know, time is
0: running out. Um, and there will come a point in time where the church itself, those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, will be taken away from here. And we will not experience what the rest of the world is going to experience. So I want to encourage you that if you put your faith and trust in Christ, that my friend, everything will work itself out just great. I know that with all the troubles and everything going on, not only just personally for people, but just in business in general, uh, people want to get, it's very easy to get discouraged, but be encouraged because our Lord and Savior overcame this world. Greater is he who is in me than who's in this world. Why? Because that's the way he set it out. And the only way I needed to acquire that is by hearing about the gift of salvation. You know, the fact remains is over 2000 years ago, God solved the sin problem. And so we're fortunate that at a time like now that we have the filling of the Spirit, that we have the completed Bible, the poor Apostle Paul, he didn't have the Bible. He had no idea what was going to take place, except for the vision that the Lord gave him, which became Revelation, singular, one revelation. It was one vision, specifically detailing to what was going to take place. So I just want to encourage you that no matter how intense things get, no matter how crazy things get, don't forget that God is still in control. Even in your circumstances, whatever it might be, financially, physically, mentally, work, whatever it is, trust him. You can not only trust him for salvation, but you can trust him with your life. And I think where we fail as followers is to include him and to trust him. We want to try and do it ourselves, and that's just it's just a bad formula. The best formula for success is, is putting your faith and trust in him in all situations because he's God and we're not. It's that simple guys. So all those prayer requests that
1: came in from last week and this week, I would love to. Yeah, we having- more, also, by the way, we just had him literally pop in seconds ago. Uh, yeah. Another one. Uh, we had one uh, gentleman who's having a procedure done Thursday. And the other one is uh, our first hour, actually our first hour guest. Uh, Stuart Kemp talking about his uh, wife having to start uh, cancer treatments this week. So, I mean, man, they just keep on coming, man. They really do. And
0: again, remember, First Thessalonians 4.11 says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. It means don't be a gossiper going around causing all kind of trouble. It says, mind your own business and work with your hands as we've commanded you. So let's work with our hands. Let's take these prayer requests. Let's take all these things that we want to petition him and send them up to him and i can assure you not only is he faithful and just to come to have these things come to pass but we have an opportunity right now to show others that we're not alone and i think that's what makes this segment so special because it stops the mundane the things which you do every week and it it gives you a chance every time i read ecclesiastes i always think about where it says in the days of prosperity be happy. But in the days of adversity, consider why are we going through what we're going through? And many times we go through things, especially all these prayer requests and these situations where we just don't know what else to do. So the good news is we can rely on him and we can send the prayers up to him. So let's do that. Are you guys ready? I'm ready if you are good, sir. Father God, we can never thank you enough for your faithfulness and for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. Father, you know, every request that's come in regarding physical issues, regarding financial issues, regarding health issues, issues regarding cancer and surgeries and recovery, Father, the list is actually endless. If they knew how many requests that actually are being made right now, they have no clue. Just because someone puts it on a message, means there's people out there who are listening to this show right now who did not put a request, but they have one. So we don't want to miss out on you either. So Father God, you know all these requests, you know all these needs. I just pray that you give peace and comfort to each and every one of them. Father, you know the plans that you have for us. And I'm so thankful that even through all these situations that we can come to you because you're the one who wrote the words, come to me who are weary and heavy laden, And I will give you rest. So, Father, for Timothy, for all those, and even for the the situation that's going to take place Thursday, Father, we know that you're the great physician. We know you're the great healer. So I just pray that you would continue to do your miraculous healings throughout this world. Father, it blows my mind, even the testimony today that I received from Barbara about the doctor asking for a second scan because he just doesn't know what happened to the cancer. I can tell you what happened to the cancer. He took it away because he is faithful. So those that are battling with physical and and mental and health issues, Father, I pray that you would touch their bodies, that you would continue to give them comfort. And we thank you so much. We pray for Renee that you would continue to strengthen his family and all the requests from last week, Father, that you answered. Thank you so much for what you continue continue to do. And we love you. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.
1: All right, Big Daddy P. Again, you bring the message each and every week. You bring, as the name says, the snippets of truth. And again, the the, the Talk podcast wouldn't be the same without you here each and every week. Well, I'm thankful that even
0: after I'm long and gone, these videos will still be here to remind people that even in the midst of adversity and craziness, that God is still in control. And if you can hear my voice, he can use you too. So don't you think that your infirmities are things that you think you can't do. God can't use you because if he can use an ass like me, he can use anybody.
1: Capisce? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how much you could, you could wrap that up any better than that. Big Daddy P, thank you for coming on the program. And again, we look forward to seeing you right back here next week with some more snippets so It's a Truth. Love you guys. See you later. See you. Big Daddy P, gentlemen, I got to tell you right now, it's been a great show. Hardcore Ross, any final thoughts tonight? Oh, just
2: a great show. You know, I I really enjoyed being back here and uh, being back at the controls, you know, and, you know, it was great meeting you, Justin. Yeah, nice to meet uh, you. Look forward to working with you a little more and just look forward to the next show. Okay, Justin, any, any final thoughts from you?
3: Well, you know, I wish uh, we could, folk You know, get more high spot stuff in next uh, next uh, go around. You know, we had Bray Wyatt talking on Friday Night SmackDown. We had uh, Brock and uh, you know uh, Bobby brawling last night. We had a US title match uh, with Riddle and Rollins with Elias interfering. Okay. And Just you have also
1: you got to look at too. You also got to look at uh, Mustafa Ali as well. I mean, oh, there's, yeah, a lot, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of stuff going on with the with the WWE U.S. championship. And, you know, another one to look at, too, is the idea of what's up with the kingdom, OGK, whatever you're going to call them. They're making their appearance into AEW back on Rampage. Could they be the next ones in line to be possibly going after FTR? I mean, there's a lot of great things that are happening in the world of pro wrestling. But you know where you're going to see a lot of great things happening. That's right here. Every Tuesday night on the Russell Top Podcast, we want to thank all of our great viewers. But we also want to thank our great sponsors. Again, without our sponsors, the Russell Top Podcast does not exist. Each and every week, we are going to go ahead and send a special shout out to all of our great sponsors. You're going to see them in just a moment here on the bottom of the screen. I want to thank Royal Mills Transportation, long-term sponsor of the Russell Top Podcast. Rathbun Engraving, you can get one of those great Russell Top Podcast mugs available for twenty dollars. I believe it's for five dollars more. You can get your own name engraved on it. Noblemen's Barber Lounge in Kansas City, Kinkade Arcade at the Oak Park Mall, Interstate 70 Sports Media with the maestro Jeremy Carp, who's going to be sitting alongside me this Friday night at Dynamo Pro Wrestling, the Little Popeye Designs, home of those great Wrestle Talk Tumblr, Wrestle Talk Podcast Tumblrs, and of course the FWWC, the world's premier fantasy wrestling group. Gentlemen, I got to tell you from top to bottom, a great night. I'm going to put a real simple here to wrap it all up tonight. One thing you're going to remember. From tonight's show, episode 415. Justin, one thing you're going to take from tonight's show?
3: I'm 2 0, baby.
1: <laughs> Simple as that. Hardcore Hoss, awesome. one thing you're going to take from this week? Oh,
2: just our, our wonderful guests,
1: you know. You know something? I'm going to put it this way. It's going to sound kind of cheesy, but it's the truth. Let's talk wrestling. It's as simple as that. I want to say thank you to Stuart Kemp. I want to th- say thank you to HG Daniels. I want to say thank you to Sister Haas. Want to say thank you to Big Daddy P. I want to say thank you to Justin Wade joining us again this week. I want to say thank you to the returning Hardcore Haas sitting back behind the controls. And of course, I want to say thank you to all the great, all the great viewers, all the great podcast uh, sponsors. Without you. This program doesn't continue to exist. We've got a lot of great guests still to come here on the Russell Talk podcast. Justin?
3: One more thing. I just want to thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of this show. It really means a lot. Makes me, uh, uh, you know, Luke, you know, it's been a long time since we've got to talk a lot. You know, we've been, uh, I just enjoy this and thank you for making me part of this. And thank you, Renee as well for letting me be a part of this team
1: and you know something guys we talk about the wrestle Talk podcast becoming bigger and bigger every day justin wade talking about all that great lucha libre action out on the west coast we've got hardcore hoss always talking about wdwa we've got great things here in the midwest we've got professional wrestling all across this country and all across the world that we talk about each and every week right here on the wrestle talk podcast local national international wrestling, you name it, from top to bottom. You can experience it right here on the top Podcast. We look forward to seeing you here next Tuesday night from 7 to 9 right here. And, again, as you see here, Susie Haaschek giving you some shout-outs too, Justin, right thank here you, on Susie. the program. I want to say thank you to everybody who took part of the program. Make sure to share the top Podcast. We're going to have a lot of great guests. We're getting ready to get into the winter season. But you know one thing, even though it might be cold outside, the wrestling and the act, Wrestling ring action is still very hot all across the world. For Justin Wade, for Hardcore Hoss, this is Luke Roberts. We look forward to seeing you right back here next Tuesday night as a part of the
5: Talk podcast. Take care and we'll see you next Tuesday night.